0: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Label Clothing Company. Uh, They have been a huge supporter of mine for many years now. And anytime you see me wearing a dress shirt or a suit, it is from them. Uh, Everything is custom made. And anyone who knows me knows I hate wearing suits and I hate wearing dress shirts. I not only look dapper, but the clothes feel great and uh, wear really well. So anyone in the need of a custom suit, definitely hit them up. You can find them online at Label.co. What is up, everybody? Anthony Vasquez here, joined today by Anae Atelier, my friends Gina and Sheena, the founders and CEOs of uh, Anae. They are incredible women and I am super excited to share this episode with you. We talk about business, social media, their struggles with overcoming their own hurdles in life, how they've bettered themselves and really how they've broken out into the market in what they've done to do that in a really short amount of time. They are experts in branding. Uh, Gina has been a photographer for 16 or 17 years and just brings a vast knowledge. Coupled with Sheena's editorial experience, they are definitely a power couple. Uh, So without further ado, I bring you a atelier, my friends Gina and Sheena. All right. What is up, everybody? Today, I'm joined by none other than Gina and Sheena from Inay Atelier. And I'm so excited to have them on uh, for a few reasons. Number one, um, fellow wedding photographers, um, and, and more importantly, uh, fellow wedding photographers with some serious experience, which uh, I always give props to. Um, and then secondarily, I think they've really uh, niched themselves in, in a great way in, in our market. And I think that that definitely stands out. So I'm excited to pick your brains about that. So if you kindly would, um, please introduce yourselves.
1: Sure. Well, I mean, you pronounce the name beautifully, which is kind of always <laughs> our, it's always our first obstacle to go over people is how to pronounce your name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I am Gina Esposito and uh, this is my business partner, Sheena Meekins. I have been shooting weddings for, gosh, over 16 years now, which means I started when I was like five. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Um, and just too, for the
0: record, you guys did not change your names. When you founded the business, no. Okay. This
1: is first certificate. These first are the, Gina. And Gina. the parents okay. having yeah. some foresight <laughs> before we met, and yeah. that's the
2: end of that. So, the deal is the second person to introduce themselves always gets laughed at. <laughs> always. It's like, Sheena, oh, that's nice. And you're Gina. And so, <laughs> it's always a race to say, yeah. Hi, I'm. Yeah. So, yeah. I, would, I would think so. Yeah. Always. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. always.
0: So, um, just to, to like start to delve into it, uh, you guys both have interesting and diverse backgrounds. So uh, starting with you, Gina, if you could just kind of give me like the premise. I know you've been doing it 16 years, how you started. And then Sheena, if you could jump in with, yeah. with your kind of like niche in this.
1: Well, I think that um, I feel like I have one of the more unique stories for how I got in wedding photography just because obviously you listen to so many podcasts that are out there nowadays and you always hear people say, Well, you know, I wanted to be a photographer, uh, but I wasn't making any money at it. So I decided to go into weddings. Whereas, um, I knew kind of straight off from the bat that I wanted to be a photographer. Um, and I ended up, um, pairing up with a wedding photographer right out of high school, um, and just fell in love with it. And so from the start, I knew that this is a career that I want to be in. I want to document people's lives and tell their stories. Um, and yeah, it it was incredible. I got in, um, dating myself, but I got in when there was no digital and you had to shoot on film and you had uh, to count and, um, I know it's kind of, uh, you know, an art now, an art form now, a fine art. Um, people still do. But I was able to get in um, then and then obviously chose to do the transition over to digital, which has been incredible. Yep. Um, but, yeah, that's like the sum up of me wanting to get in from 19 until,
3: until <clears throat> 21.
1: 21. <laughs> <laughs> so.
0: And I know, Sheena, you, you have a very different background than Gina, which I think complements her very well.
2: Yeah. So um, I first moved to New York City to work in the magazine industry. Um, So I actually, this is my second career. I started off working at Essence Magazine, uh, People Magazine, People Style Watch, and then Teen Vogue and Vogue were the last places I worked. So um, I was director of integrated marketing at Teen Vogue as my last position. Mm -hmm. Um, And we started off as friends who then became best friends, who then I hired you first. I hired Gina first at Teen Vogue to shoot some stuff for me. Um, And then simultaneously, I was in this career that I loved, but it was hard to be sustainable. It was an exhausting pace and being, I think, creative on 10 deadlines a day was just hard to keep up with. And so yes. um, we started shooting together and just traveling together as a way that to both escape and kind of do our own thing and create our own things. And um, in that, we realized that there's just something when we work together, there's something brilliant that happens and there's kind of this, yeah. there's this magic. And uh, eventually one day I came on to shoot an event for her um, fell in love with it. I was like, God, like what you do matters. Was this going to matter to somebody yeah, in yeah. 10 years and 50 years. And coming from a world where, you know, you pour your blood, sweat and tears into a project and six months later, it barely matters. Um, it just, it kind of meant everything. And so we, she had to convince me for a couple of <laughs> years there, but Two um, years of
1: mild brainwashing, I call yeah. it.
2: Uh, Not because I didn't love it, but also like brainwashing because I think in my mind I thought, okay, well, I don't have a degree in photography and there's all these, you know, checks you have to go through and it took her two years of like, no, you got it, you got it, you got it. Um, That I eventually, I was shooting uh, while I was working in the magazine and then eventually kind of set up all my ducks in a row so I can leave full time and we became business partners from there.
0: Nice all right so let's fucking get into it then right so <laughs> let's let's start with um, first off why why bring on a partner? you know I think for a lot of people oh, you know wow. I think yeah I think in the wedding industry it, it's it's an interesting concept you know yeah. to, to bring somebody on yeah. um, into your business and then after chance was that why jump and what was your mindset at that point um, to Really, you know, which I give you props for, because I think there's a lot of comfort in corporate America, um, except that you're not the controller of your own destiny, right? Is that you're at the the mercy of a boss or the economy, and one day you could lose your job, whereas here, um, as an entrepreneur, you have – it's limitless, and your potential is all up to what you want to put into it. Yeah.
1: Um, I think for me, I, I never set out to look for a business partner. Um, I was very self-sufficient. I was doing all of the bookings, um, sh- being the first shooter, the primary shooter, you know, doing the banking, doing the appointments, meeting for engagement shoots, doing the albums. So I was kind of doing everything, as you know, um, for years and started to feel the burnout at like probably, oh gosh, maybe like a year Six. Brian, really, I have just no idea what that yeah. No, you definitely have no idea what that <laughs> no, feels no like. Um, and so I thought, man, it would really be incredible at the very least just to have someone that I can bounce my ideas off of and see what people think. And um, and so meeting Sheena and I um, met Sheena years ago through my cousin. Um, and meeting her and kind of like she said, going on trips and kind of having all of this like photo magic happen that we would like kind of essentially have these like. Play dates where we'd like go in the desert and we kind of like sh- you know shoot each other and and buy outfits it and would, it really started, create and we always try to start small and then yeah. next thing you know, like the week before we were like, what if there was
2: smoke and what, what if we had, had these fire that went <laughs> yeah. off in the back and it just kept pyrotechnics? Growing Can we do that?
1: Growing? So we so, had yeah. this incredible, like really I mean, creative chemistry that worked really well when we traveled and it made me think and I was like, man, like I hate social media. I hate blogging. I'm not a writer. I am very much creative, but I'm very much equal parts business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's such a genius at Marketing and just the things that she has done for Conde Nast, and she'll never say it, but she's a two-time marketer of the year for Conde Nast, which is like no small feat. And I thought to myself, wow, it'd be really great if I had like a built-in mm. marketer who's just genius about everything. And so I kind of started digesting it myself, and then I started planting it into her. Um, but before she came along, I really dabbled with, do I want to get out, like because I love it, but at the same time, it's so much work. It's the emotion, the most emotional day of somebody's life. And there's so much pressure on you and not being able to, not that I crack under pressure at all, but not being able to have, an I like somebody to bounce ideas off of, of, Hey, do you think this is a good direction to take the business? Or, Hey, do you think, you know, we should be a little daring and and do this and take this risk. And, and so it just was kind of weighing on me and getting really heavy. It demands so much of you. It demands so much, so much energy. Um, and then she came along and again, all of this creative energy was just so strong. And I thought, Oh my gosh, like, Maybe we're supposed to be business partners. Yeah. Um, and we talked about it and we physically had traveled the world together. Um, and we just started talking about it the more we were traveling. And she was also, she'll tell you about it, but she was also feeling burnout as well. And so yeah. we were kind of found a common ground of like a camaraderie that you felt burnout and I felt burnout, yeah. even though I was able to create my own schedule and travel and it, and it was incredible and glamorous. Yeah. Um, And then it got to a point where I was like, no, like this feels right. Like we are supposed to be business partners. And then from there kind of morphed into, well, are we supposed to stay in photography and weddings or, uh, you know, which direction are we supposed to go in? And it turns out that we stayed. I think we were both like at a crossroads in our
2: careers. Um, Gina, the way that I like to think of it is her business was predominantly based in Long Island before I came along full time. And I felt like she kind of had created her kingdom in Long Island mm-hmm. and it was, it was working for her and it She's was, a it, was great very, kingdom. it was very yeah. comfortable. Yeah. But the way I saw her especially is that you are bigger than even the kingdom that you've created and getting out of that comfort zone, I think for you, like you, you had so much more capacity to, to be so much bigger and do so much more. And she knew that obviously herself too. Um, so there was that, but I think for, for me myself, I I got to a place where I achieved, I think, everything i had come to achieve in my former career. And I can kind of look down the line and see um, this is where I can step into an executive role and this is where this will continue to go. And I think when I got to a point where I kind of looked back at the last, you know, from it was in from 2008 to 2016 full time. So it was eight years through the massive shift when I graduated college. I went right into when the economy tanked. And I know you like to say this, but like that there's those years where you just eat shit, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> and
3: eat, you, eat, yeah, I, and right. I know you love yeah, it.
2: Yeah. And I absolutely, yeah. I would, uh, I would work, God knows. Oh my gosh. I didn't even count up the hours cause it would be too defeating, but I would be in the office from seven in the morning till sometimes
1: am I would get a. at 1.30 in the morning sometimes cause she was, new. I was awake editing and she'd be yeah. like, I'm walking out of the Freedom Tower. And I'm like,
2: what? Yeah. yeah. What is this life? Yeah. And, um, but it got to a point where I kind of looked back over my career and I think looking forward, I saw that. I had done, I had helicoptered bloggers into Coachella, and I had done awesome programs and shoots and things around, like, all the great music festivals. I'd worked with Taylor that. Swift. I would have been backstage with Beyonce. It was all this, I've had all these incredible highlights, and I could just see at the end of it. And I thought, I could do this, but, like, this is no longer, not a challenge, but there's a greater challenge. And yeah. it just, I, I have always believed my whole life in doing what intimidates you sure. a little bit. And so... I was very comfortable in corporate life and corporate cards and all those things. And it just, there was something where I was like, yeah, I can jump and do this. And I knew we couldn't fail. Yeah. Not in an arrogant way, but because I think of both of our work ethics are so strong and we are both willing to like, I just, I, I trusted her as a business partner. I trusted. And I think like knowing her, um, I mean, as my best friend, but like, I think there are so many more things it takes to have a strong business partnership than just We, we get it. We're on the same page photography wise, but I think understanding like our morals are the same, like our goals in life are the same. Like there are so many things that line up that I knew and I trusted going into a partnership with you that like, all right, like we can do this.
0: And I think it's important to point out that, you know when entering a partnership, it's a marriage, right? Except, oh, you know, yeah. you want to be a complement to each other's strengths and weaknesses, you know, whereas yeah. maybe in a marriage, you don't want to outsource what you're bad at, because <laughs> that might not work for your partner, but in a business relationship, you know, like what you said before, if you're not a strong writer, and she is, well, now you're not stepping on each other's toes oh, if you're yeah. willing to give up that creative control, yeah. and I think that that's crucial, because if you don't allow that to happen, well, then you're you're kind of, you know, condensing what she can do within yeah. the company and yeah. not letting her shine and vice versa. If you're the creative, yeah. that needs to be, you know, your piece where you really shine. Yeah. But when you marry those two together, that's where you have Which something is actually that works.
1: probably the biggest reason why this works is because we are Ironically and crazy, just the perfect ying to each other's yang, and mm. so a lot of my strengths are her weaknesses, and a lot of her strengths are my weaknesses. And I don't so- have any weaknesses. To be fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, the
0: other thing uh, a you stronger. <laughs> stronger. I think such a well, the other thing I think is cool too is you know is 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 the mindset. It's not you know people go into things and go if this works, right? Yeah. And I don't necessarily think that that's the right mindset to have. Yeah, I think same. you you have to first figure out is there a, a place it, does the market need what we have, right? Mm-hmm. So does the market need talented budding photographers? Yes. Yeah. Um, but then it, if the answer is yes to that. It's until this works, not if it works. Because yeah. too many people go into it and go, oh, shit, I'm going to stick at this. And maybe, no, that's like half-assing it. You have to be in it to win it. And, yeah. and you have to say, I'm going to do this until it takes off. Yeah. Well, because we always, otherwise you give yourself the out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we
1: always say, or rather, I mean, I think you've adopted this now, but. Um, you might have gotten it from me. <laughs> <laughs> so she has no fear. But I say, we went into this and people say, well, you know, what's plan B? What if? And I say, no. I never had a plan B. Because no. if I have a plan B, it means plan A is not going to work. Exactly. And so it was always plan no. A. It well, it's, was it's the, It was. Easy, it's in in one failure. basket. Yeah. It's like, oh,
0: okay, well, I failed. But I, I only you, – you're setting yourself up with the out, as yeah, I always yeah, say, because you already yeah. have the back door open. Well, because yeah. then you
1: already have this yeah. idea in the back of your head that, well, this might not work. And that's Correct. not a possibility. Like, it will Correct. work. So there and, is no and, plan And if it you.
0: doesn't, then you figure out what you're going to do. But you can't go into it without – But I don't even think that no? now. Yeah. Like,
1: I don't think, oh, my gosh, what if this doesn't work? I think this is at- – there's no. there's there's no way that it's if not going to If something's work. not working, we're going to pivot and make it work. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's important, too, is like sometimes people get so committed to an ideology and they're like, oh, I'm going for this. And right. maybe the marketplace doesn't need what you yeah, have right, right now yes. or doesn't want what, you, what you're what you offering, yeah. in which case maybe your idea was good. But again, you just need right. to kind of like maybe a five-degree pivot yeah. and now you're on to something again. Yeah. Um, but sometimes people get locked into that ideology like I have to do this, I have to do this, right. I have to do this. And that might not be the right way. Right, yeah. Absolutely. No, we totally agree with that. So give me, uh, Shana, just to finish it, like with that, with when you leave in corporate America, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it takes a good set to walk away from,
3: uh, <laughs> you it. know, a comfortable, <laughs> a comfortable you. position. I'll right? take a sip so, on that one. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> what, what was kind of like your mindset where you're like, fuck it, I'm done. I'm going to give it a shot. Because I think, you know, to, again, to like, you know, to take that plunge and really go in, uh, entrepreneurially, you know, risking obviously the comfort of a steady paycheck every yeah. week to some weeks where there may not be, you know, a paycheck. Yeah.
2: Um, I think I was ready for all the discomfort that that would bring. Cause that's really what, it's just, it's a really uncomfortable transition going from two weeks after I graduated college, I was at Time Inc and I was in this corporate world with all the structure and hierarchy and everything else. Um, I think there's a degree to which you kind of, you take a calculated risk, you know, but I, I, I literally knew in my heart and I think I've trusted Kind of having my back against the wall so many times throughout life, and trusted that from everything I've learned and everything I've seen, excellence always wins. Mm. And as long as you are excellent in what you do, and as long as you absolutely refuse to um, settle for whatever work is just good enough, when you're excellent, you will always rise to the top. Mm. And so I think that that is how I rose and how I got every promotion and how I got so many opportunities that I had throughout my career that. At that point, I'd seen like this is the winning strategy, and I knew that if I can just take that and apply it to something that obviously she's already been successful in in running this business, and um, as long as you could take that and and pivot it to a new industry, you can't fail. Yeah. So I was willing to be to enter that period of discomfort, and what does this mean for when's the next paycheck and when's you know? And I um, I was also I think a good steward of my finances and very responsible, um, up until that point. And so I, I definitely took a risk, but I also had lined up enough that I can, I can do that at the time. And it carried us through the transition period. And it's been, you know, it, it just recently became comfortable for me being an entrepreneur, and um, just- to be completely honest. Cause it's just, it, I just think it's so uncomfortable at first, you know, when you're used to that structure, when you're used to hierarchy, when you're used to, it takes you a minute to get used to that. And You know, I'm, I'm grateful for it now, but it's, I feel like people don't talk about how uncomfortable that transition really is for a while, so.
0: Yeah, I mean, so for me, it would be hard to relate because I came out of college and you know, for me, I was on my own instantaneously, but the one thing I talk about a lot is about my father's role and in the success of myself from his work ethic, right? So I'm just curious in relation to your dad's role in your life, right? When you talk about excellence rising to the top, how did his, your military upbringing influence where you're at right now?
2: (sighs) no. (laughs) So, um, background, my entire family, especially my dad's side, are all military, government, secret agents, everyone, (laughs) very regimented. Um, It's funny because as you say that, I, I have a flashback of myself, my sister and I, when we were kids, being like five and seven years old on the way to soccer games, and my dad would like, it was like boot camp, and he's like, you know, we're in the backseat, and he's like, what are we going to do? And we're like, when? He's like, what do we want to see? And we're like, blood. And, so, and they're like five. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just it's <laughs> just an aggressive upbringing, I think. But um,
0: but no doubt I, shapes who you are yeah, today. Yeah, you know?
2: because yeah. I think there's an element of, you know, you, you don't complain. You get it done. You find a way. Um, you know, my parents, I... I honestly, I don't fully know how I came out with the mindset. I think it's a little bit of that like crazy Meekins blood that's in me that God love him, but (laughs) we're all crazy uh, mixed with the fact that my parents just always told me do the best you can. And I think I took that so literally. Um, They never pushed me to be straight A's or, you know, perfect across the board. And Not that I'm perfect. No one's perfect. But um, I just take do the best you can so literally. And until something's the best, I will not release it into the world. Mm. I will not sign off on it. Um, and I think that mixed with the you know you figured out you don't complain you make you make things happen you know I just that's kind of in my DNA
0: yeah and then for you Gina right and so you got that Long Island Italian upbringing Gosh, right yeah um, which is- but I think what what I find most intriguing is your sixteen years of experience so you know and, and um, I, I talk to a lot of wedding photographers or vice versa and one thing I'm always amazed by is people's lack of desire to work, right? Because, you know, they'll come in with the, I want to be you mentality, mm-hmm. but I'm like, how much experience do you have to like, go two years? I'm like, right. bro, I shot more weddings in two months than right. you've done in your yeah, entire absolutely. life. So it, it's, it's, and it's hard for me to respect that yeah. because they may be very talented artists, but they haven't really eaten that proverbial shit enough to understand, hey, when this goes wrong, or what's it like to do volume? Or, you know, I think in 2003, I shot 105 weddings on my own on top of what my company was doing. And when you do that consistently, that's how you build up, you know, the callus of, of being able to do a trip on a weekend, still delivering a, a great product. So I know you've done that. Yes,
1: yeah. um, I think we've even spoken about my first year in business. Uh-huh. I did 93 weddings yep. on my own, yep, yep. Uh, which I never want to do again. That's a personal. Why not? That was awesome. t- oh, my <laughs> gosh, it's just it's too much. It's triples. It's quadruples. Uh-huh. It's yeah. that Thursday through Sunday yep. through Monday and the Memorial Day. And mm-hmm. um, I think that um, it's such an interesting to know my parents is is interesting because my mom is so book smart and mm. so logical. And I think she was like six in her college, like number six in her college. Like she's just super, super smart. Whereas my dad is very street smart mm-hmm. and very scrappy and Italian and charismatic. And so I think I have equal parts book smart mixed with equal parts street smart. Mm. And I think that kind of gave me the, the gusto to be able to go out and especially in an industry at the time, you know, where, when I was starting out, it was, um, especially wedding photography was very much predominantly male heavy, male mm-hmm. based. And so I just remember coming up against, um, you know, men at bridal shows. What's who, up, honey? Yeah. Literally like baby honey, mm-hmm. sweetie. Good. And uh-huh. then, um, and then having people just kind of shun me until, and I would introduce myself to people and I'd remember their name and I'd shake their hand and I'd look them in the eye and I would just remember them. And then within six months of after, after they gave yeah, some, after they kind of gave a little side eye, a little shake of yep. who is this, you know, who's this, this chick coming in that's, you know, 25 on her own and, oh. and to within six months of persistence and growing, um, I had those same men coming to me asking me to, to do business consulting for their company. No. Um, so it definitely, um, the, the, 16 years I would have to attribute to the upbring my upbringing, that my mom was a really strong woman. She was a single mom. Um, and she told us that it was just very important that you needed to learn how to take care of yourself mm. for yourself. Um, and so I think that weighed into it as well. Um, And it's hard for me nowadays (laughs) to hear, like you mentioned, that people are saying, I think, gosh, and again, I'm going back to, we listen to so many different Podcasts we and blogs, and, and and all of yours, everyone oh from the Gary V's who we sure. love to people that nobody knows. Just because yep. we're constantly want to see what's out there, what's being taught, what's new, and just to even hear you know someone say, "Well, I've been doing this ten years, and you know we just broke 150 weddings." And I go, "150 weddings in ten years?" Like, you I'm total yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm up over a thousand, and I'm so yeah. grateful for that. And I will never shame, Um, you know, I will. I know that sometimes wedding photographers can very much be looked at as like the butt of the photography industry that, oh, you're not fashion. Oh, you're yep, not editorial. But sure. I, I do very much think that you can be both and you can be just as creative. But to be honest, I love wedding photography because I think it is the only field of photography that keeps your skills so sharp yep. because yeah. you are outside and you have one shot to get a bride walking down the aisle on a windy day outside as the clouds keep passing yep. in front yeah. of the sun and you're overexposing and you're underexposing and you're moving it and you're doing it in a second without even thinking yep. because you just, it's so innately in you. And so I think that, um, you know, I would love Look back even on my career and think it's just it's really honestly a blessing that i was able to be in long island and and such a
0: um which is where i started as well so i can yeah, appreciate
3: and you know appreciate but you that, know
1: that the, yeah. the overturn of weddings is just massive i the mean volume. it's yeah. incredible and so to be able to be gro- to be brought up in an industry in this part of the country has been massive for my growth and i've yep. i mean like you seen everything pretty much done everything made the mistakes learned from the mistakes. And, and it's been incredible, yeah. but it's been a long, a long ride. And now it has brought us all around the world, essentially. And here. And here. And here. And here. And here. And here. Most, Most yeah. importantly.
0: Most importantly. You know, for people who are listening, though, that are a little younger, just to give some premise on what you're speaking about. Okay. 2005 and before, mm-hmm. um, I would say probably most wedding photographers, 95% male-dominated Absolutely. industry at that point. Mm-hmm. When the digital shift started in 2005 to 2010, I'd say we we're probably way more 50-50 even Absolutely. now, if not more shifted towards uh, predominantly fem- becoming a predominantly Absolutely. female industry now. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the, the men are shifting over to other things. I mean, yeah. even wedding videography, yeah. now you have some amazing filmmakers who are female, whereas... Yeah. Pre two thousand five, pre the five D Mark two coming out, <laughs> right. there really was there was none of that. Yeah. Um, whereas now, some of the top filmmakers in the country are are female, so our industry has seen a huge shift yeah. um, towards towards women, which I think is awesome,
1: which is incredible. Which
0: was not that prior to that was though, not,
1: and it's a it's kind of a love hate because I love that digital was able to bring so many women in, and I don't want to say I hate it because we obviously shoot predominantly digital, but I feel like growing up really in an industry and learning an industry where it counted. Yep. Like you counted your film, you counted your shot. If you exposed that film, it was gone. There but was you know, no they, way to bring it back. gave you
0: 20, like so people can understand this. Like yes. you got 20 rolls of 36, 720 frames mm-hmm. for 10 hours. That's it. That was it. And they didn't give you extra film a lot of the time because they, they were too not. cheap and they didn't want you shooting more.
1: And you counted your color, you yep. counted your black and white, you counted your sepia yep. and you made sure it was all there at the end of the yep. day. But I feel like that art of kind of stalking the shot is lost because now we turn it on high shutter and yep. we just spray. We just spray. Yeah. And when I say we, I don't mean me because that's not how we shoot, yeah. but there's this kind of a spray uh-huh. and pray method. And you know, it is a lot easier for people to get in, but I feel like everyone complains now oh, the market's so oversaturated and it is oversaturated. It and, is. and that's a fault of digital, but it's also kind of a blessing of digital because obviously every shot is intentional that you take, but you have a just a higher, just such a higher percentage now of kind of getting that incredible, incredible moment because now you can shoot. Eight frames per second, or whatever it is,
0: eleven frames per second. Yeah, but as you say, that the market's oversaturated. It's a perfect segue into uh,
1: <laughs> here we go into, into,
0: into the fact that the market's oversaturated. And I know yep. I've said this many times, yes. uh, um, you know, uh, on the podcast, is we are headed for an economic recession at some time in the next yeah. couple of years. Absolutely. You know, and most people are like, "Oh shit, the economy's going mm-hmm. to crash." again. I'm like, "No, this is fucking great because." <laughs>
1: No, I'm
0: excited because the market is oversaturated. Yeah. And like anything else, um, you know, it, it, it is a bad thing at a certain point when, yeah. you know, there's a finite number of weddings per yeah. year and now an yes. infinite number of people in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And ultimately you have so many people who are doing five and 10 weddings mm-hmm. that it becomes unhealthy for the industry as a right. whole. Sure. You know, there's too many venues. There's too many wedding plans. There's too many yeah. of everything. It's not yeah. just photographers. Now yeah. there happens to be an excessive plethora of wedding photographers. right now. Excessive. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually, you know, excited for that next downturn. And I know yeah. you guys are are as well because we discussed it. Um, but I think what what's more interesting is the preparation of that, right? So mm. your mindset is I'm going to separate myself Absolutely. from the rest yeah. of the pack now. Mm-hmm. So when that downturn comes, I'm already working with the 1% instead of trying to meet um, or fight for that scrap right. of meat in the yeah. middle of the pack, which is what's going to happen, is those people Absolutely. are going to eviscerate themselves. You're going to have half of them go out of business. But the, the reality is they're, you're going to have that flush out Absolutely. of the industry. And, and I think inherently that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I think for us, you know, for me at least anyway, I think our business acumen will guide us through that the same way it did in 08 yeah. and 09. Yeah. I think for you guys, your marketing strategy and obviously your business acumen, because you're already looking to pivot now yeah. in advance yeah. to that. So could you guys just drop a little knowledge
2: on us for you that? You want to go into that? You know, okay. So my perspective on an oversaturated market um, is that I we all see it, we all feel it. But I think we maybe more than a lot of people I know, we're we're highly competitive, and we both are like natural athletes. Ex, you know, did you pick that sport. up? Sporting sporting fans. If you can't, can't tell that we're highly competitive. I feel like it's a creative market, so get creative. You know, and what I love is that as of right now, the oversaturated market is forcing us, all of us to be at the top of our big game, to be as sharp as possible, to make sure that like you're, you know, crossing your T's, doubting your I's, being as intentional about every move that you possibly make that for anybody who's not being that way, you're automatically going to fall off and you're out of the running. Um, but I think, I don't know, there's like, I have this vision in my head of, um, do you watch game of Thrones? Of course. Okay. So
1: don't even I know know what's
2: coming. I'm afraid. There's this ahead. moment in like maybe the last three episodes where they're having the battle outside of Winterfell and um, Jon Snow is there and then there's the Night King and he's running towards the Night King and the Night King and he's got, I don't know, a dagger or something in his hand. And the Night King has the ability to like raise up all the army of the dead around. And he's, he just takes off running because once the Night King raises his hands, the, the army of all these people are going to rise up and once they come, it's a wrap. So John just decides, I got to sprint and I got to make it and that's it. And it's kind of this like Thelma and Louise moment where he just goes for it and he guns for it. And I think- as far as you can as fast yeah, as you as can. Get as far as you can as fast as you can before that moment where- sure you know, the bottom drops out. Yeah. I think that's, that's fun for us in a sick way. That's like fun yeah. <laughs> because I think, again, there's no room to assume yeah. that you're not going to make it. There's no room yeah. to assume failure. Yeah. And we prefer, as sick as that is, we prefer that environment of like, all right, like let's watch the cream rise to the top. Survival of
1: the fittest. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. think
2: that's, I think. We, we thrive in that kind of environment. We thrive in that. Yeah. yeah. And I think in that way, it's fun to kind of think of business in terms of sport.
0: Yeah. A little bit. I'm, I'm a huge, uh, you know? I love the, the, the comparison of the two because yeah. they really, I mean, there's nothing else that compares to business like sports, yeah. you know, and in the same way, it's, yeah. you know, especially when you look at it with that, through that competitive lens, yeah. Um. you know, it's, and everyone has to have their, their way about it. Like Michael Jordan had to talk the most shit. And by talking the most shit, he knew people would bring their best game, but that right. also elevated him to become the right. best version
2: of himself. Yeah, and, exactly.
0: Hey, and it worked for him. You and know? you
2: want to compete against worthy competitors, you yeah. know, it's, yeah. it's no fun competing against for sure. Uh, people that you know you we want to cheer on other people in the industry which is I think why we're here and why you know we are such fans of you and what you do and and how far you you. come in your success you want to compete against worthy competitors. And so on one hand, yes, I think we know it's oversaturated. But on the other hand, we want to see people playing their best game. See, and it's know? funny,
0: like, as you say that, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Like, that's my mindset, right? No, no, right, really. So. Like, because I look at it and go, I'm not I'm not successful. Because I feel like once you give yourself that title, mm. you, you, like, step it down a notch. So I always look at it like, I'm not where I need to be, yeah. which is probably sure. a, to a fault. I do it to yeah. a fault. But literally, like, I get this feeling inside right now, I'm like, all right, she just said I'm successful. I'm not fucking <laughs> successful. You know, like, I, because yeah. to me, that's where I get the yeah. hunger from. You know, yeah. and I almost, I need that. Like, and that's we, my that's where I get my fuel from. We,
2: yeah. we think the same way. We were literally just talking about this recently. Like, we're just getting started. We're physically yeah. just starting. And I think it's different. I think you can spur each other on and encourage each yeah. other and keep each other as sharp as possible while also not, you know, believing in your own mind. Like um, Marcy Bloom said at Engage, you know, once you believe your own Instagram life, it's over, yeah. Yeah, which you is know? true though, yeah. because it's yeah.
0: you know, and it's such a false reality. And, yeah. and something else, you know, like I've mentioned this a couple of times, and I know you'll be able to appreciate this is that you know somebody recently, uh, two years ago, said. Uh, in passing, that someone with my last name will never be successful in the New York City wedding industry. Um, That's
2: not fire. I don't know what
0: it is. I was like, wow, man, I'm so happy she said that. I'm like, number one, I already am successful in this industry. But number two, that's great motivation, you know, because my last name is Vasquez. And I think what she was implying is that no person of Latin descent will ever be successful in a Jewish dominated market. Um, Until they are. Until they are, you know, and I think people want to instantaneously put us into a certain like you can only achieve X because of your heritage or the color of your skin or your last name whereas again that for me is just more fuel for my fire right I was like oh I'd love it you know like that's great thank you you know Um, and it just brings me back like when Kobe Bryant was on his three-peat they were like what about next year and he's like yeah you're already fueling my ambition you know like do you think you're gonna be able to do it again of course he fucking thinks he's gonna be able to do it again he's already done it five times you think he showed up yesterday he goes no I don't think I'm going to do it yeah, this I'm year. Like, surprised. But you just gave him the motivation right, to yeah. get, get his ass back in the right, gym yeah, right. the next week, which he right. did, and go on for six, which yeah. he never got. Yeah. But no doubt that guy's intention was to do that. So yeah. I was like, thank you for the motivation. You know?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think we were talking um, also at Engage, I think we were talking about how um, you know, there was the the person that uh, in track beat the the world record, yeah. and I don't remember his time, but it was he was like the fastest man and with the fastest time of running whatever the race was. And then in that moment, right after he broke the record, that next year I think it yeah. was something yeah. like the four, four four minute yeah. mile. The yeah. right. next yes. Yeah, yes. the
0: next the next year it was yeah. broken, it was smashed yeah. again. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. it's Absolutely. and it's
2: easy to say something's never been done like until it is until right? it is. And I yeah. think we kind of operate with that mentality of why if something hasn't happened, then like, why not be the first to do it? And we love and we thrive on like, if it hasn't happened, then like, I I, can't wait to be the ones Mm -hmm. to make it happen for the first time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, And I see it with what you guys are talking about. Like you're already looking at, and again, I know you're looking to transcend just doing weddings. You've done some cool partnerships with Jeep, right? Yeah. Um, I know you've, Been to the Maldives, right? Um, And I think you know, for people listening, most wedding photographers don't step outside the box in that sense. But you know, again, if we can use our talents, like your talent Mm -hmm. of creating a story, and now pitch that to Jeep and somehow get sent to Hawaii, Hawaii, right? Um, with Kelly Slater, like fucking rad, right? But most people don't even throw it out there because they've created and framed their life around. I'm just a wedding photographer, like you were talking about before, which is like the jackass of people in our field, but you know, now if you have the ability to tell a story, why not parlay that into something else, which you guys are doing?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And that literally has that mindset has, I mean, we have gone to several different islands in the Maldives and we're actually, um, invited back again, um, before the end of the year to partner with them and create travel content for brand new resorts. And, and so, you know, photography is such a, um, a lucrative industry and you can just apply it to so many different things, whether it's travel content or us, you know, partnering with certain influencers. Influencers and bloggers who come up, and so it's not just like you're just in weddings. You're physically in any yeah. industry. Sure. It's you're in any part of the photography industry that you want to input yourself in. It just depends on how you pitch something or how someone comes to you, how you receive it. And I think it's also important that, um, you know, in this world where I think
2: everyone has their their main gig and then their side hustle. Yeah. Sure. I think the most successful. Side streams of business or whatever that is, are things that come naturally to you and things things that are, yeah, something that you're truly passionate, something that's really a part of who you are. And we got into, you know, we have a sister channel called an AOA, which is all of our travel content um, that we've done even just for ourselves. And it started with just things we were shooting for ourselves. And the fact that we, our friendship and our entire business started on us traveling together and shooting together. And so, of course, we're in weddings, but it's just a natural silo of our business that we would have travel content that we produce as well because that's who we are naturally. Yeah. That's what we were doing before we were ever paid to do anything. Right. Oh. So for me, like you know? immediately
0: I'm like, well, you know, then now you're talking corporate global brands, which right. transcends how much yep. money you can make on a right. finite wedding day. Right? Yep. How right. much can you possibly charge? You can charge a lot, mm-hmm. but not. You know, if St. Regis were to pick you guys up as their global content creator, now you're photographing all their hotels and doing digital content Mm -hmm. around the world. Now you're talking really good revenue streams and not just really good revenue streams, but you're talking about continuous revenue streams where it's not a one off, which is one of the issues with the wedding industry, is you're booking a one off date. And yes, they may be legacy clients where you're in the future doing three or four more of their events, but it's not a corporate account where St. Regis goes, Hey, we love you. We're gonna use you for the next five years all of our digital content. You know, we're gonna pay you a very very good, yeah. you know, and by the way, you're going to get to travel to all these amazing resorts and stay in five-star places for completely free and yeah. see the right. world. Um, that's how I think when I hear you guys talking yeah. about travel, like immediately, like Four Seasons, Ritz, the, those big global yeah. brands or, you know, Maldives where you're staying at a place that's $38,000 a night Which at the worst wild, case casual, scenario is you right. got to stay at a hotel that casual. costs a quarter of a million dollars a week. Right.
1: Sometimes we look at each other and we're literally, we'll be in these most, the most incredible places, the most beautiful places. And we're like, how? Yeah. Are we here right yeah. now? Is like, this actually real? We get like all giggly and we're like, oh, you know, where we, you st- we yeah. still yeah. geek out over stuff because we're like in no world in this present t- time right now would yeah. we ever be able to be like, yeah, we could just stay in this, you know, massive mansion that's the largest overwater bungle in the world where it's a five night minimum <laughs> yeah. and it's $38,000 a night.
0: So, you know, it just brings me to the point of like. You know, if you don't try to do something, you don't even know if it yeah, exists, yeah. right? So, you know, I'm thinking of how you told me, that, you know, you're hanging out with Kelly Slater for those who yeah. don't know, world multiple time, uh, surfing champ, right? yeah. um, huge and a celebrity in and yeah. of himself. Um, just how'd you wind up doing the Jeep thing? Why'd you do it?
1: So, um, It's a a little known fact that I am a five foot one and a half woman, but I, um, have an basically a zombie apocalypse Jeep that is a four door wrangler that you would see it and think she had it like a Napoleon complex. I mean, I'm sitting on 37s. I'm lifted three and a half inches. I just had to ask you for clearance in your parking garage if I could drive in or Uber in because I didn't know if I would fit or not. Um, and so just a big Jeep advocate. I love it. I love the brand. I have all the off-road lights, all the tricks and, and all of that stuff on it. Um, and so. So we actually, our story, if, if you want me to just kind of go into it briefly. If you can abbreviate. I'm um, going to abbreviate uh-huh. it in about 20 seconds. Um, our story was we kind of like left it up to God and the universe to tell us if we were supposed to be business partners because we knew it was a really serious jump. And so as we were traveling on one of our adventures, we did a big, huge road trip um, in the West, in Utah, yeah. and, and all of those places. With the one, Jeep. Of, one of the um, many. Nope, not with the Jeep, but we rented a, a Jeep. We rented a Jeep, Yes. Okay. And, um, and so we went, excuse me. And we heard um, this song that we love. We always make these kind of like recap videos of all our, our all of our travels. And it's a whole so production. It's a whole production all the time. Um, and this one song came on that we're like, this is our recap song. And we knew what it was. And it was actually not the song on the radio as we were entering the desert. It was a, a competition for Jeep that said, we want you to make back when Instagram was 15 seconds dating ourselves yeah. but now it's 60 second, second videos right 15, 15 second videos second video. yes and it was all about what makes summer great and fast forward we entered the competition um, saying if we win the grand prize of this competition we will become business partners and so we entered a Why six, not, right? a six,
3: week, a six week a six week yeah. on a I like let that let it, yeah. ride, yes.
1: but it, like it
0: yeah. ride but like it was also
2: us kind of putting together putting our content out and saying
1: is it too good as judging think it is and also
0: can we do? I mean I think it's brilliant because you're testing the waters absolutely yeah. It's like, it's like yeah. well, because a Because f- like right, your gate. family yeah. can tell you, oh yeah. my
1: gosh, you're so talented, of you're so great. Yeah. And it's like, well, are you really like looking at me not through rose-colored glasses? Sure. But Is but it really it's great? Objectively yeah. good. Yes. So anyway, fast forward, we enter this competition with three days left. It was a six-week competition. 12, you weeks. Could, 12 weeks, sorry, Twelve it was all weeks. summer. And we enter this competition in three days. We upload five videos, um, and we end up winning the week 12 prize, the grand prize of the month of August, and then the grand prize for the overall uh 12 week. So we basically entered a competition with three days left and we swept it um, with our content. And one of those prizes, the grand prize was a trip for two, airfare, money, Jeep rental, VIP billabong, surf competition, get access to the house with the fellas like Kelly Slater. So naturally Um, we, and again, I
2: think think part of also what we're just known to do is if there's an opportunity, if we could even see an opportunity an inch away or eight miles away. We're like, what's the worst that can happen? So we pitch Jeep on, hey, what if we optimize this? I don't know if you realize, but you have a photographer and someone who's branded content. And while we're down there, why don't we X, Y, Z? And so we will take everything. If there's something, again, miles away, we're like, well, what's the worst that can happen? They They just say no. no. And we've gotten more yeses through just what ifs. Yeah. But per- I think here's the thing, though. Is most of the time,
0: way. if you ask, people say yes. Yeah, it's like yeah. just people. Yeah. The, the thing is, people just don't ask. Yeah, you yeah. know, and I think that's the thing is, people are afraid for rejection, so they don't. Yeah. They don't want to yep. put themselves out there yeah. for somebody to say no. But when you're offering a value added deal, so yeah. you're adding value to Jeep. What yeah. do they have to lose? What it's you your have? money, you're yeah. there, right. it's your camera, it's your yeah. time. Right. You're gonna give them content for free. Yep. The worst case scenario is they don't use it. Right. But chances are if they're the one they will. Absolutely. Know, and now that parlays to, you know, who knows what you could do with Kelly Slater, or maybe he has you fly down and do one of his you know competitions. Absolutely. And, you know, it opens the door to yeah. a whole yeah. other thing. Whereas yeah. if you don't ask those questions, you never you never find out if yeah. the door can even be open.
2: Yeah. And I think especially for us, um, Just creatively, we are always looking for opportunities to kind of get outside of our, either our comfort zone or our familiar zone or just, you know, the more diverse your experience can be, the more your eye is going to evolve as an artist. Um, And it's, you know, it's the reason why, like, I don't know about you, but I'll look back stuff and like early on when I first started shooting and I'm horrified by How we used to shoot. Oh, or if how anyone sees my weddings from
1: 2007, <laughs> I would just melt. I would just slide under the table. It right was now. also kind of the style at the time too. In oh, your defense, but- you know the tilted. It's, I don't want to talk about it It's
0: like PTSD So I do remember the It's really bad I don't want to talk about it You look on the page and
2: just, <laughs> no. You're
1: like oh the cake is You know somebody asked me oh Recently
0: no. if we do those I'm like no No Do <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The yeah they asked us if we paint You know the remember the old Black and whites yes. Where you paint the flowers They want to know if we did that too I'm like no that died In like
1: 2001 We're not resurrected Yeah
0: We'll not bring that back We'll leave that in the
1: grave It's
0: That's fine
2: It's fine But I think it's The more you can do To kind of evolve your eye And the more diversified experiences, working with different cultures and traveling to different locations and um, just being in, in, again, yeah, and even in experiences that are intimidating, you're like, I don't even know how I'm going to do this. But Mm -hmm. when you approach it with excellence and you're as buttoned up as you can possibly be and you kind of leave that 10 percent you know, swing for what you don't know, you, you end up being stronger in every category across the board and your eye ends up evolving as an artist. And I think that's what we bring to our business and the things that we shoot today is based on that.
0: And I think the other thing there is too, is is nowadays people just don't want to work for free and they miss the concept. Working for free isn't actually working for free. Mm -hmm. It's working for knowledge, experience, all those things. And people now want to just come in as CEO or, you know, they want to come in and go, I've shot 30 weddings. You know, we've talked about this and it's like, okay, great. I did that you yeah. know, last summer, what's yeah, your point? You want the apple? Like, <laughs> you I don't know what you want to say. Uh, that your life experience <laughs> is dirty? Yeah. I'm like, dude, you know. No. But, you know, the, the point is, you know, you if you can put yourself out there in as many yeah. places as possible, yeah. eventually some of those hit, Something's especially gonna, yeah. when you follow up with, excellence, dedication, and there's yeah. actually a quality to the work, yeah. but if you don't put yourself out there, well, then none of those are ever going to take off yeah. because you're not even in the place to have the opportunity yeah. to present itself, you know, which is why I key, always point back to that, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And it, it is so true because, you know, even to this day, you know, sometimes I'll take on a project. I don't necessarily get paid for it or I don't get paid what the project's worth right. in, yes. full, in full market value, in, in but what I'm moment. getting on is exposure. Yeah. Yeah. Know, maybe I'm meeting somebody who's going to open a door or yeah. the potential to open yep. the door. Yeah. And to me, that's that's where that like, oh, you know, if I look into it and say, I've reached a certain point of success, maybe I don't take those opportunities. That's right. why I always right. feel, I always feel Just from that humble. place of, stay humble. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. stay hungry. Yeah. Because hu- humble, you know, when you're humble, you're always hungry. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like if you feel too full, it's like you ate too much. Yep. What's yep. the What's the point to
2: get out of bed? And that yeah. posture changes everything. It changes a, a how you see every opportunity, yep. every engagement with someone.
1: So she always says, what is it about knowing 10% of everything? I feel like to be completely relevant to anyone you meet, you probably have to know about 10% of everything, which I feel like I do. Yeah.
2: And um, I think there are certain things where sometimes you have experiences that are so outlandish or so mm-hmm. out of left field, and then next thing you know, you're in a conversation 18 months later, and someone's talking about some town in the middle Reverse of- Reverse osmosis filters. R- like yeah. random, yeah, yeah, something, something. random, and fishing, it anything. And almost always comes back around where you find yourself in a conversation, and somehow that random thing that you did- mm-hmm. Is it, One is order. like, yeah, is it, mm-hmm. is like a chess piece that's yes. moving something forward for you. And I think for us, um, it's never not been worth it, you yeah. know?
0: yeah. So- and getting back into, like, you guys have uniquely branded yourselves, I feel like. Thank right? You. There's a, you know, and watching the whole Engage experience of Gina and <laughs> Sheena, you know. Oh,
3: boy. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, so I'm just going to take we, a drink. We, uh, yeah.
0: Where, where did that all come from, right? And for people who, who are listening and not watching, um, we're please talking ex- please
2: like- Please explain
0: that. Explain that, yes. Uh-huh. So we're talking, like, outfits to the nines, matching, <laughs> or, like- Tops and bottoms right now. Like one has white and gold on, both tend have do Both wearing shades of blush. Yes. In my colorblindness. blindness. Yeah. Um. Like,
1: so, <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, where where did that come from? Like, what was the concept behind I, it? Because I think that I, I'm going to say that there's probably more intent there than
2: there. So you you want can I to, can I tell you? So, A <laughs> couple, couple things. Um. Again, I feel like the. We have gotten everywhere we've gotten and we have built a brand on who we yeah. actually are as people. Yeah. Um, the literally the genesis of us even coming together as business partners was there's something there when we're just being our full selves. Yeah. And opportunities. there's, there's an there's an experience there. There's yeah. there's something we can invite other people into. Yeah. Um and so we honestly, all we've done is be a hundred percent ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, to who we are naturally, we enjoy we enjoy getting dressed up. It's That's fun for us. We love putting a lot of thought into the outfits and making it intentional. And we love a good party and, and floating around the room and Mingling making friends and, and making yeah. people dance. And that's just, that's naturally who we are. And so I think it really, it's not a strategy. It's it's us just being who we actually are because it works. Allowing that, other that, people to that, see that the crazy that is in our own yeah. brains. And I also think like I don't know about you. I don't have the ability to fake being someone else. Yeah. I physically don't. Mm. The second I try to be something I'm not, you're going to see it. it falls it's going to be terrible. I'm going to start stuttering and it's going to be sure. awful. Yeah. It's, I'm going to fall apart. Um, so I think all we know how to be are ourselves. But I will tell you this. We matched one day for a wedding because Gene and I, again, we're best friends. We have very similar aesthetics in this is the, and When the this you say
0: matched, we're not talking about Tinder, are we? No, no, no.
2: no, no.
1: It's Very heterosexual. Not that anything's wrong <laughs> yeah. with right. that. We do want like. to get married to men separately. Yes. One day.
2: One day. Right. Um, we, we will go shopping separately and come back with the same stuff, which is like, oh, it's cute, but it's like annoying also. Yeah. So one day we were getting ready for a wedding and she's like, well, I'm going to wear the whatever pants. And I was like, no, I was going to wear the. pants. So she's like, well, I'm still going to wear them. And I was like, well, I'm going to wear them. So we showed up matching and people, they were like, "Your names rhyme and you're matching. And we were like, okay, that was great. I
0: I think inherently like just getting to know your brand, I think for certain certain people, it wouldn't work. I think for the two of you, it does work, right? Because it it, it has a flow and a feel and a vibe to it where I could see that being brand, it's a brandable, you know, like it is the brand. So I think it works. Whereas if some people were trying to force that, it it inherently would not work. It would look kind of goofy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, like we don't want to look like Dumb and Dumber showing up. You know, in the orange no. and turquoise suits. But it but. is it is a good representation of like um, walking into the room and people knowing that you're a unit, that yeah. you're, you are the two photographers that are there or you are the two co-founders of an atelier. And yep. so... Especially in a world where there are so many husband-wife teams. The, the matching thing just ended up working really well. We at first thought it was super gimmicky. Um... That our names rhymed, and we're like, "What are we gonna do with it?" And it's we interesting. Tra- we tried to downplay it. We and tried then we're to like, downplay There's no it. There's no way around it. But actually, no, fuck it, it works. it just It works. It was really important um, because before I brought Sheena into the company, uh, the company was in my name. Yeah. Um, and it was really. She did not care. She's not about like having the limelight at all. But it was really important for me to say, "No, no, I have a business partner." And the, the issue I was running into with it being in my name is people would call and they would speak to Sheena or they would meet with Sheena. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, but where's Gina? Mm-hmm. And I hated that because yep. I'm like, no, 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 this is my business partner. Like, I need you to have an equal representation. And so a lot of people ask, Anae Atelier, what is that? Where does that come from? And so a lot of our friends, um, because our names are I mean, they call us the Inas. And so yeah. it took my – one of my best friends who graduated from Parsons, took a Parsons graduate, to basically yeah. be like, well, you know, why don't you just – Why don't you just take Ina and invert it? Why don't you just invert, Inver, and invert, you just invert Ina? And mm. so Anae is actually Ina, obviously spelled backwards. And then um, in a trip to Paris, we – uh, it
0: sounds very. It sounds bracket. French. Carpet, it sounds beautiful.
1: And so, in a trip to Paris, we always knew we were going to be called. We were going to call ourselves an atelier um, because we're ever evolving, and we know that atelier in French mm. is a creative studio. And so, we did not want to pocket ourselves or pigeonhole ourselves in da 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 photography or da da yeah. da da studio because Smart. you know, again, a creative studio could be anything. It could be pr- anything yeah. production. Yeah. Well, um, and we started like toying around with video, and we still do. Um, yeah. But
2: you know, I think if in the future. Weddings and events will always be at the core of our business, but, you know, leaving room for it to evolve however it does naturally. And if we end up taking on more editorial projects or travel or humanitarian or, you know, I think that's also like a big piece of both of our hearts. And so wanting to leave room for there will always be a core of our business, but however that evolves, you know, and happens naturally, leaving space for it to have a name that allows us growth.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important. I mean, you know, I could speak to that. I've named my company after myself and I, I mean, I think it's good, but ultimately you do run into that problem where your name yeah. is on the door and the people inherently, want you, even though they, they want us, okay. right. Um, which brings us to, I know we spoke, you guys are not interested in scaling your business. We right? Are not. So inherently the first thing that comes to my mind when I speak to the two of you is why not just double down and shoot two weddings a yeah. day
1: because i everyone think the, says that everybody no. literally it's the number one question we get asked um everybody you, you, you actually hire two second
0: photographers and that double absolutely double um and i
1: will say in my experience in the industry. Um, I did um before she came along, I did try and add an additional team in under my studio. Um, and it was a nightmare. Mm. I hated it. I hated the unreliability. I hated the I woke up, I got a paper cut, I can't come. Um, and I didn't want to deal with that stress. The income was not worth it to me. And so for us where we're going, we are not, nor are we probably ever going to market to the masses. Sure. Um, our market is the upper echelons. It is the true 1%, um, not of just the United States States, but of the world. And so we, um, our goal is to be photographing sheiks and princes and kings and why queens. Not? And that's why our, that's I literally.
0: I no, <laughs> I say fucking like, why why not? And why the not? question is, why? No, really, yeah. I mean, like, why, why not? not? Yeah, you know, and somebody's people, doing it. People might as well be people asked people say, us. why? Him. Why yeah. not is the why question. You know? and right. And we know right what we're capable
1: of, of. And obviously, you know, with that comes much larger. It comes much more multi-day sure. events. And so we do have um, our list of select associates that we have, yeah. third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh photographers, if need be, that we would put on jobs. Yeah. But, but I we're think leading the magic job. of it all is yeah. Sheena and I with the work chemistry that we actually have and how we connect to our couples is the magic and is the experience of an atelier, and so when you take to take half of that away, is to take half of the experience away. Yeah.
0: No, 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 and I commend you for that because I think the easiest step to do would be to scale, Absolutely. right? I mean, financially, but right. I think especially on in the New, New flip York City, side, right,
1: make some more make finances some more, come more in. Small, but yeah. on the
0: flip side, you know, the, the the probably the correct thing to do is not to scale it yeah. and to go really high number, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I think you could probably find that if you looked at both financially down the line. Whereas you double down your business Mm -hmm. or you stick to what you're doing right now, profitability will probably be if you stick to what you're doing right now and don't scale. Whereas you take on less clients at a substantially higher market Mm -hmm. uh, price comparatively to then doing double the work.
1: Yeah, Yeah, which is exactly basically what we're doing now and the trajectory that we're going to continue on is just going to be, you know, there's people we know that have been in, you know, uh, done six day events in Puglia that had a quarter of a million dollar photo budget. And that's going to be us. And so, I think it's also it's for it's for the
2: quality control and just yeah, because absolutely. naturally, especially for me, uh, I think we naturally gear towards a more immersive experience. Sure. Something that you know is a is a, a bigger task with mm-hmm. a lot more pressure and a lot longer you know yeah. um, list of things higher to accomplish. Stakes. Yeah, higher stakes. Mm-hmm. Knowing knowing the couples, knowing the the family members and the key players, and really you know knowing the people and just I think having. Um, there there is so much more that goes into a wedding that has you know a four day weekend and there's yeah, multiple events and there's multiple and it's it's a much more personalized experience than just um and not to say the average wedding is not, but I think there is a lot more at play, and there's you get in a lot deeper. Yeah, you're spending the families, a lot more with, time, a yes. lot more time. And the yeah. other thing is, when you take those events that. on,
0: what goes into those events is yeah. is is substantially more than just you know a yeah. regular ten-hour wedding because yeah. Yeah. You know, it's travel coordination. You're gone for yeah. eight days, and if you're gonna you know, to scale and do those kind of weddings, I don't think it's feasible necessarily because you have to commit so much time to those events.
1: Oh, absolutely! It's 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 at the very least a week of your a life, minimum. depending yeah. on where yeah. it is. I mean, we did um, we did a big wedding wedding in Dubai a few years back and that was that's easily a day of travel there a day of travel back and then that doesn't even include all of the prep time and then the 3 day events and the pre and the post yeah. and the actual day of ceremony and i mean just the day of you know that specific wedding they had three different ceremonies in one day, which is incredible, yeah. and so you know, it is literally a week of your life, and then you know, you forget that you come back and you deal with jet lag, which is super real. And I mean, we dealt and with a that. To run. Oh my gosh! And, and, and clients who don't and, care and, that
0: you were just in Dubai nope. living it up for no, nope. and they don't care that there's a, a nine-hour
1: and eight-hour time nope. difference. They don't care that there's a ten and eleven-hour nope. time difference in Maldives. No games. One cares. And Nobody cares. No one cares. No, it's but to be fair, it's not their job to care. No, it's, not. it's our Correct. job to be able to deliver as if. Yes.
2: We've been here and rested and relaxed yep. the entire time. No,
0: which which so. also, you know, like I hear people sometimes like doing these jobs and I know this isn't you guys. So let me just preface it with that. But <laughs> people take on, you know, we, we just lost a job. And I think this goes out to other photographers out there is, you know, just staying busy isn't running a business. No, it's not, it's absolutely. a really good fucking hobby is what yep. it is. <laughs> yep. So when somebody prices out a job and I hear the numbers and I break down the cost, I'm like, listen, if you're going to fly to... Vietnam and spend twenty two hundred dollars on your own plane ticket and charge the client five thousand dollars, including day of services, yeah. you're losing money, bro. Yeah. That's a hot that that's a hobby, unless yeah. there's obviously like a bigger picture theme to it. Right. But yeah. I think a lot of people in the market don't really understand their costs or the cost of their time, right? Because yeah. they, they don't value, hey, I'm gonna be on a plane for twenty two hours each way, yeah. the cost of doing other potential business, not being here to run yeah. your business, not getting back to clients. Yep. Yeah. They don't have all those inherent uh, stop gaps yep. in. And what happens is your business falls apart from traveling too much, you yep. know? And yeah. I know for me personally, with my business, I don't want to travel, right? I'd okay. rather shoot yeah. my sure. 30 weddings a year yeah. in New York and one destination a year. Right. Like that or two maybe, yep. right. because for me, it just, it doesn't work yeah. because I know that as we've scaled and I have a team of people here, yeah, for me to be away, I have to charge such a high it's premium. More it's more detrimental than not, it is yeah. beneficial at yeah. this yeah. point. That being said, I do like one or two destinations a year, yeah. but that's it. You yeah. know, for me, I remember in 2008, I did like seven or eight and I saw so the that I had on the back end of my mm-hmm. business, which yeah. was I wasn't here answering emails, meeting clients. Yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, "Wait, this doesn't make any sense. I'm actually yeah. losing yeah. money. I sort of did So for me, that again, it's I think, and, and my point to this is that you have to find what strategy works best for you, yeah. and your lifestyle, and what you're able to accommodate. Most importantly, without sacrificing the customer service experience that you're giving your clients, because you may want to think that shooting yeah. destination weddings is sexy, and while it may be, it costs it's also, a lot. It costs, it and, costs and, and, a lot of money. It costs it's a good a Instagram life. It, it's a great, and that's the mm-hmm. thing is, you it costs you can a lot a on fucking you. Fucking fabulous. Instagram life taking pictures of all over the yeah. world and not make a dollar. Yep. Yeah, As a matter of fact, I might actually say you lose money You'd because you're not billing do. your clients yep. enough, especially yep. with per diems and transfers Every- and everything that goes into it. Now you're paying to go to these destinations. And
2: also the opportunity cost of what you're not in town for. Yes. And the things that you miss what out you on. So we were in, I think, eight or nine countries last year. Nine. Um, nine, in addition to having 50, 40, Two, I think, weddings and events, and then an additional Six eight or nine destinations. Yeah. So we, which is
0: intense, it's, you know, for people intense, who aren't doing yeah. that, that's an intense workload yeah. because that's every, it's at least one a weekend at a it's minimum. Yeah, yeah, Plus, yeah. when you factor in your travel, it, you, you got like to be on point have, for that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's, then, it's,
2: then the engagement shoots on top of that, yep. and meetings and everything else. And you know, it was an incredible year and incredible opportunities. But at the same, and I, I think we did a great job of keeping on top of all of our tasks. But there is an opportunity cost of what you're not in town for yes. and the relationships that we're not growing that are here, and, you know, people not seeing your face around. And so it's, you know, it is incredible, and it's a great strategy to do for a well. while. And if that is how you prefer to operate your business, that's, you know, great. but for us, relationships also mean. A ton paramount. and They're paramount yeah. yeah And to be You have to be around Yep To have Gotta relationships out of mind. Yeah. You know And, and I think yeah.
0: That's something that really um, By and large A lot of millennials And Gen Zers Are losing touch with Yeah Is the importance Of face to face Yeah no, really I mean like You know no, Everything's a text message Or a DM And it's, it's like not the same You don't have that Interpersonal connection Where there's yeah. a realness to sure. the, And a substance And yeah. you know I'm willing to bet That people you're Able to develop Those real relationships with You're gonna win out on those mm-hmm. So if somebody yeah. knows you guys And says hey I, I've met them I've hung out with them Or yeah. I've had an experience of working with them comparatively to just dropping in their DM or seeing your Instagram. Yeah, right. Like they're inherently, when your name comes up, going to be like, "Oh, I'd rather work with them right. because they have that connection right. and yeah. trust." Yeah. Whereas a lot of people, I think, leave a lot of money on the table by just yeah. being lit lazy, yeah,
3: you know? or Absolutely. sliding
0: like you know, sliding in someone's DM with like a weird, you know, "Oh, great wedding last week." What, what does that do? Right. There's no value yeah. to that. You yeah. Know? But
1: likewise, just like you, we have to build trust with whoever, with event planners, yes. with other partners. You know, they have to build trust with us as well. And so yeah. that familiarity breeds like. Like, I'd rather work with this person because I know the way they work. I'm yep. confident in the way they work. And not only are they going to provide for the client, but they're also going to provide product for me as well. Yeah. You know, because at the end of the day, all of the vendors that are participating, they want the photos. Yeah. Of course. And for There's, me, you know,
0: I've gotten nuts
1: about it. It's huge. Yeah, yeah.
0: I'm, I'm nuts about like what makeup artists I work with
1: now. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah.
0: ultimately these people impact our day so it greatly. Break. Your you know, photos. it's like they show up with either a bad attitude or they're late. Yep. And I'm like, yeah, listen, you can't. It's a team effort here, yeah. right? Like, you're, you need my pictures. I need your makeup. Yeah. So right. it's a win-win, right? right. So I want to do a great job, but you need to have the bride ready. Yeah. And it doesn't take four hours to do bride's makeup. It may take you four hours, but it doesn't take four hours. <laughs> Not
1: a good makeup. Um, yeah.
0: Kim Kardashian doesn't take four hours, yes. right? So you should have the bride done yeah. in, in a lot you know, of time.
1: we're so meticulous from the get-go. I mean, from yeah. every time before, before we even sign contracts with clients, we create a tentative timeline with them. Yeah. Um, and And then from there, that is what we base the day off of. And so all of our clients base their days around our timelines, which is literally when we say makeup and hair needs to be finished at this time. Because again, when that runs late, if that's if that's poor, yeah, if that's yeah. poor quality, poor service, that directly impacts the product that we provide because then where does the time get shaved off of?
0: Of course.
3: It gets pictures, shaved
1: off of, of course. us. And then so, the client yeah. comes
0: back and you're managing expectations mm-hmm. and then yeah. they don't have the pictures they want and they yeah. don't go, oh, the makeup artist had me two and a half hours late. Right. right. They yeah. go, I didn't get that picture on, yeah. you know, in right. Grand Central that exactly. I wanted. Yeah. Or it wasn't at the level of what I thought it should yes. have been. Well, of course it wasn't. You only gave me five minutes comparatively to yes. ninety like mm-hmm. pictures mm-hmm. you saw. Exactly. You know, and I think that's a the biggest thing in what we do is people say, Well, you take pictures. I say, No, I'm in the job of managing it expectations. There
1: you go. Yeah, and, then, absolutely. And, that's, and then
0: taking pictures is part of that yeah. because yes. the bigger part of what we do is we manage expectations. Yeah. Right? And, and the more clear we are with the relationship and the expectation, the better the business relationship yeah. inherently becomes. When we don't manage expectations, that's when the bigger issue becomes. And oh, you cannot absolutely.
2: do that without communication at all. And we yeah. are, I think, very intentional about that communication through every step. And, you know, to your point of us setting up timelines in the very beginning There are a lot of our couples and our clients that come to us through word of mouth or we shot their friends or they're in the bridal party, whatever it may be. Um, But we work with a lot of planners, but they also can come to us directly. And so sometimes a lot of times they'll be with us, booked with us before they even hire their planner. And so we like to kind of have that initial structure set up just so they understand the framework of how the day is going to go. But then, you know, to your point of having the relationships and working with the right people, when we have clients or couples that come to us first and then they're asking, who do we go with for planning for hair, for makeup? When we're at the kind of the beginning of that food chain, the beginning of their process, you have to recommend people who you know are- Of course. Yeah. Through experience, you are as buttoned up behind the veil, behind the curtain of your business as you seem to be on the outside. Yeah. And there are so many things that you don't know until you're in it with someone yes. and you go, wow, you're nowhere near as buttoned up as I got you as you right. seem to be. And you don't know that until it's too late. But also you're staking your name and your business on recommending someone that's a direct refle- reflection of you. Brand, yeah. yeah, absolutely.
0: So just a segue, just a tad bit, right? And I know something uh, Hit you, us. you mentioned, right? So I know, uh, Gina, you kind of had, um, you mentioned uh, earlier in life, some struggles with anxiety,
1: yeah. right? And I think
0: to wind up in the wedding world,
1: <laughs> where is there's zero pressure, zero pressure, okay.
0: and deal with people who are commonly you're working with and for that are very anxious, yeah, right? is is an interesting uh, is an interesting journey to say the least, right? So, what did you? And I think that being said, I think privately a lot of people suffer with anxiety. And I think that's a thousand percent. And I think. Um, to our detriment, we don't do a good enough job of discussing how we actually feel. Um, because, you know, again, it goes into that per- picture-perfect Instagram life, yeah. everything's fucking great, um, when really it's not. Like, people have bad days, we have yeah. bad weeks, we have bad yeah. years, and that's just reality, you yeah. know, um, but nobody shows that. They only yeah. show, like, the happy moments, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what did you do to kind of overcome that, you know, and, and to be in the wedding field and kind of put yourself in a place where, Yeah. And you can't be anxious anymore because there's no room for that. You have to,
1: you have to calm Calm the the anxiousness. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, really struggling with debilitating anxiety from probably seven to, I mean, maybe 20. So maybe like a year into it really kind of getting to terms with it. And I'm, I'm a big believer of, um, holistic and modern medicine and, um, therapy. I think all three kind of working together really help, um, your body. I, I always tell people I'm such an advocator for therapy and for counseling. I think even if you don't feel like you have something you need to go to counseling over, I think it's incredible to go to someone who's not biased, to have an objective opinion, someone you can bounce ideas off of if you don't have that already. Yeah. And so I think for me, um, my church life was really, really grounding um, for me personally, um, whether people meditate or they do yoga or um, they need time to get away or medication. Um, but it was kind of um, a growth spurt for me, um, going into weddings where I felt like it was, it was kind of weird because although my anxiety was debilitating, um, and crippling at times, there was something in me that again, loved the challenge, which sounds like I, when I say things like that, it sounds like I, well, then you must have not really struggled with anxiety, but like I did, like I was out of school for years. I was homeschooled for years because I just, I don't know. I still to this day, I don't know what the fear was. It's when people deal with anxiety, it's, it's oftentimes really irrational. And it doesn't make sense. And you can't really explain to people. And until you actually deal with it, do you then understand it? And mm. so, like, you don't know what it's like until you actually go through it and walk it.
0: Could you, like, give an example of what,
1: um, what that I, looked like in your life? I was homeschooled from – I missed all of my ninth grade year, all of my tenth grade year. I was not bullied. I was not, not popular. Um, no bullying, nothing like that. Um, just manifested whatever I emotionally I was going through. My parents had a really rough marriage and I think it kind of settled Mm. in that area. Um, and I had to really go to a lot of counseling. I went through a lot of medications. Um, and there were even hurdles even, you know, um, early on in the wedding industry when I started getting destination weddings before Sheena, where I really had to kind of like like talk myself down and be like you'll be fine to travel like nothing there's always kind of this feeling of like impending doom like if I leave something bad's yeah, gonna, gonna happen yeah. but it's but nothing did and nothing would and so that's why I say it's a really irrational mental health awareness that I don't think people understand until you go through with it um but I think a lot of a lot of kind of being grounded in my church life um having someone to talk to for therapy going through getting the right medication and to be honest like I think it was a mixture of probably not getting certain healing that I needed from childhood scars. Mm. And then once you're able to talk to a professional um, and kind of clear the air and get that out and understand why you do what you do, why you think the way you think, it kind of brings this calm over you. And, you know, I'm a firm believer that, like, the truth absolutely sets you free. And so when you go to counseling and you talk and you're able to, like, own your truth and own why Mm. you do what you do and why you think the way you do and it's it's okay – there's a real freedom that comes with that. And so not until I really went deep in my late teens and my early 20s, started going to counseling really consistently, did I understand, oh, that's why. And there's kind of a release and kind of a breaking. And mm-hmm. so I know that looks different for different people. I know there are people that have severe chemical imbalances that have to be on medication sure. to um, participate in life um, that people take for granted. But for me, um, there's really been, a like, honestly, like a full recovery from that. And I think, you know, I can honestly say I have not not had to be on medication for I mean, over a decade, well over a decade, which is interesting because, again, you are participating in conversations and times with people where it's a really high stress, but I think I function really well in high stress, which sounds kind of a little backwards, um, but I think I can be my best self in that situation. And then, again, I think that has given me a lot of empathy. For people that um, I've dealt with many brides who have anxiety, I've dealt with many grooms who have anxiety and people who who do not like eyes on them and like all eyes are on you that day. And so to be able to be there and to touch people and to tell them it's okay and kind of talk them off the ledge, I feel like if I didn't have that background of dealing with anxiety, I don't know if I'd be able to empathize Mm. and really relate to them and talk them off that ledge and say, come on, like I'm with you. When you're walking down the aisle, like look at him or look at her, but you can look at me too. Like I'm there, I have your back. And and so a lot of that plays into it as well. So I think it was really vital for the development of my business and the development of really building trust with clients that they really do trust you because you understand what they're going through.
0: How do you feel that's shaped where you are right now?
1: Wow. Um... I feel like the trust level that I'm able to earn and even the trust level that Sheena's able to learn with clients, I feel like it is really catapulted. And, you know, even if you, as silly as it sounds to say, read my reviews, but even in every review, it's like I felt like I was hanging out with a friend. Like Gina and Sheena felt like friends to me. They were so familiar. There was a comfort about it. They were able to relate to my family. They wrangled my bridal party. They wrangled my family. Everybody loved them. And so I think it definitely hones in a sense of um, being aware And being able to read a room, which I think we both really do really, really well. Um, And, again, I think it just brings a comfort level. So I I think that while it's easy to be able to take a digital camera, I so often see people that I go, and I would never say this to them. Maybe I would after a few drinks. But, um, oh, you're not meant to be in this. You can take a photo and you take a beautiful photo, but your personality is not calming. Your personality yeah. is not assertive yet mm. sweet. You can't get people to move where you need them to move without them feeling like you anxious yelled at them or, or yeah. anxious or stressed out. Or And so it really kind of – this industry is really kind of a bit of an anomaly where the successful ones are going to be the ones who are not only creatives but are able to read a room. And back right. to your point where you're saying the Gen Zers or whoever and, you know, where elder millennials. Yes. Um, but which is ironic cause it's such a large spectrum. Um, but even kind of feeling like we're kind of part of the last generation that knew what it was like to play outside, knew what it was like to come home when the streetlights right. come shoot up film. to shoot film. Yeah. Um, but to have those people skills, I think is really mm. important. And I think a lot of the up and coming or the newer photographers lack that sure. and you need so much of that because people go what is it in your photos what is it that we feel like you guys work with models and we're like we don't work with models no. we've had so many of our clients say are these models are real people and we're like they're real people because when you can have someone let their guard down and just be vulnerable and be them in front of you and you take that photo like that's when they're their true self that's when they feel the most comfortable and that's yeah. when they're the most beautiful so that was I a think, long answer I think also um You know, I think
2: you have so many facets of your personality. I think we both do. Mm -hmm. But um, when it comes down to the clients I think we work with and who, you know, our our goal is to work with the most diverse group of people possible. And I think a lot of times people can say, you know, what's the profile of your ideal client? Someone could say, oh, well, she's this type of person or she's Mm -hmm. that type of groom or whatever. And we don't do that. We don't even like to do that because I think what's ideal for us is, you know, If you have a diverse group of friends, you have that friend that you have like philosophical debates with. You have another friend that you go to like an art museum with. You have another friend that you watch sports with. Different friends pull different things out of you. And I think what we love is having clients that may not obviously on the surface be like, you're 100% my type of person. We would hang out. We'd be friends. Mm -hmm. I love when we get those couples who are probably on the opposite end of the spectrum, seemingly, but then forming that that connection with them because there's a part of my personality, your personality that identifies with them. And there's always a way to make that connection. There's always a way to connect to people. And yeah. I love the challenge of um, getting in there and having that like really intimate, really like uh, organic experience with someone who is completely different from you, yeah. different background, different religion, different race, um, just totally different personality wise. That's such a, a win for us and such yeah. a, like, I think the most pride is in that, you know, and finding, even finding that Couples or clients are, you know, they seem to be one person, you know, on the surface. And then by the time you get to the end of the wedding, by the time you meet the bridal party, you're like, wow.
1: Like, I didn't expect you to play gangster no at your yeah, wedding. Yeah. Like, and I
2: love that. Yeah. And I love the surprise of that. And I think, um, I think through your background and both of ours, there's a lot of diversity there. and yeah. I think we enjoy having a, like a clientele base that kind of brings out all those different facets of that, that personality yeah. and not having one style or one personality.
0: I like that.
1: I see deep Yay. thought in your eyes, Anthony. <laughs> yeah, deep thoughts. I'm in
0: thought here. Yeah. I'm, I'm absorbing. I don't want to let Sheena off the hook here uh, on oh, yeah. on some, some Uh-oh. stuff here. All right. Right? So, I mean, I think Gina just got deep. So, what, <laughs> put um, Anthony in
1: the zone. Yeah. In the
0: zone. Um, what What would you relate back to your childhood? So, you obviously grew up um, army brat, right? Or no? Mm,
2: no, my my dad was uh, in the government by the time I was okay, born. By so. the time you were yeah, born.
0: Yeah. All right. So much uh,
2: crazier than that. But we, we, yeah. <laughs> Not not that I can talk about on camera. <laughs> um, but we, we moved around a couple times. times. So,
0: gotcha. Yeah. So, you know, with with that, like, military background, how do you feel that that's shaped who you are right now? Other than the fact of him giving you war chants in the backseat on the
2: way to the soccer games. Yeah. <laughs> Chanting yeah. blood. Yeah. Blood. Five years old. <laughs> I, I make Gina do that now on the way to win. Uh, actually. Not really. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's funny because when you sent over some of the, the questions and just the talking points of things for us to wrap our minds around coming in here, you know, you, you had on there, um, what, uh, obstacles have you faced throughout life, um, either personally or professionally. And I was, I sat on it for like three days because I was like, I don't, I don't have an answer for this. And then eventually Gina wrote with a little caption, she does not have any obstacles. Yeah. I um, thought that was
0: hysterical. I,
2: well, and it's funny, I meant to, I meant to <laughs> allow it that. But actually true. But I, I say that to say, um, I have the utmost respect for people who have had actual, who've struggled with anxiety or have had sure. um, hardships or health issues or um, whatever that can look like for, for people that have had actual issues. And I think in a day and age, especially where everyone feels so much pressure to create content and to be speaking all the time in sure. public and telling a story and to have a, have something that gives you an edge or gives you substance. Sure, um, I don't want to be that person that trivializes other people's actual struggles by yep. by making up an obstacle for myself. That's not to say that I've had life easier. It's always been fantastic or I haven't worked my butt off or overcome things. But when I, when I actually look at my life and when I look at what's ahead and what's behind, I don't see obstacles. And I think that's probably part of how I grew up, how I was raised.
0: So what about like challenges that you've been faced with rather I mean, than using the word obstacle?
2: I mean... Be honest. i you know, and, and I don't yeah. think and I
0: don't think, you know, I think to to your point, like we 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 all are here. We've we've lived more blessed lives yeah. than 99% of the yeah, world absolutely. population. So I think you know absolutely, yeah. that being said. And though, trying to have
2: respect to that. And yeah. yeah, and
0: having respect for that is I commend you for yeah. that. But I think we're all at some point faced with it doesn't have to be anxiety, but we, you okay. know, we're faced with um, you know, for me, I don't want to say it's an obstacle, but growing up the son of somebody who didn't speak English with my last name, um, that had a fifth grade education. That's not an obstacle for me, but it was something that I paid respect to. And right, something right. that is really a motivating right. point in my life. Right. Um, and I tell that story now specifically because of the marginalization of immigrants mm-hmm. in this country. Absolutely. And you know, if it wasn't for immigrants, this fucking mm-hmm. country wouldn't be running right now. Absolutely. And it's a country of immigrants and people need to check that shit. You know, yeah, and, and, and I feel wholeheartedly about that. Yeah. And if you kicked all the immigrants out, you'd have no workforce. Because yeah. yeah. guess what? Americans don't want to do those jobs. Yep. You know and that's yeah. just that's the reality so for me it's it's i use that as a source of pride and a source of yeah. mo- it's my motivational yeah. factor it's paying homage to my dad who sacrificed his life so i could be sitting here talking to okay. you guys and that's that's how i look at it yeah. so it wasn't necessarily an obstacle it's more of I look at it now as like, hey, maybe I can influence, you know, maybe there's a kid listening who's of Puerto Rican descent who goes, I yeah. can't do this in life yeah. because of where I'm from, you yeah. know? And he goes, oh, fuck, you know, like I can, yeah. you know, okay. shit, you know, I, I've been framing my life the wrong way and there's another stepping yeah. stone. So even something yeah. like that, you know?
2: Um, I will tell you that I went against my parents' wishes strongly. Um, my dad in particular, who is kind of the stronger voice in our household, um, when it came down to He wanted me to go to community college first before going over to, you know, four-year school, do two years and then go into. And I felt strongly that, nope, I got to get, I want the full four-year experience. And so I said, I'll take out my own loans and I'll do it myself. And I think we joke where we both say, like, I'll I'll make my own way." And I think, you know, I think there are a lot of ways, and my sister, she's probably going to listen to this, I'm so sorry, a lot of ways that she kind of listened to that directive. And I think a lot lot of people listen to their parents in that way, especially in those formative years that you respect your parents' wishes. And then 10, 15 years later down the line, you say, I wish I would have stepped out and done what I knew in my heart to do. And I think I was the one that said... I respect you. I understand why you, you're trying to save me from debt and everything else. But I always kind of follow my path of saying, this is what I'm supposed to do. And yes. I know it. And if I have to take out my own student loans, which I did, that that's what I will do. And I will make my own way. And then even graduating and I got, I mean, insane story, which I will tell you later one day, um, but got my dream internship at Essence Magazine in 2008 when I was graduating and the economy was tanking and no one was getting jobs. And I'm living in Northern Virginia, wanting to follow my dream and move to New York City. I get that open door and I was like, this is never going to pass me by. Like, this is my open door yeah. and I have to run for it. I had no, absolutely no money. Like maybe like $37 in my bank account. Cause you're a college kid and it's the end. Yeah. And, and dad um, didn't want you going to college. Oh, so, ever, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Well, he, he was, he was proud and he's admitted, he's like, you made the right choice. But, um, but you know, graduating. It's amazing and, how
0: they say that afterwards. They, yeah,
2: <laughs> they do. I, I, uh, came home from school, did a PowerPoint presentation, dressed up for my dad to present. Here's, I'm moving to New York city. Um, I literally, he came home from work. I had a beer and a presentation about, I need to borrow X amount of money. And maybe it was like 5,000. I don't even know what it was, but this is what I need in order to to get my foot in the door of this internship and make my life. And here's the plan of how I'll pay you back. Absolutely not. Because he was undercover in New York city in the worst times of New York's roughest times. And the thought of his baby girl moving to New York city was a hard no. And so I was like, fine, I'll take on my own loans. I'll do it myself. And I did. And, um, actually from uh, my aunt and my mother and some other people who helped me out who pulled together and paid them back on the payment plan that I said I would but I have always I think followed that that gut and I'm always a proponent of you you know when you're onto yeah. something and a lot of people they can mean the best for you they they can want the best they can want to keep you safe they're a parent that's what they're supposed to do but that may not be your exact path and so I think not being afraid to step out into when you know that something is what you're supposed to do and not being afraid to take on Yeah. Whatever that would require of you. Uh, I think it's
0: only, you know, what your truth is. Like only, you know, where you're supposed to be. Nobody can tell you where, I mean, I think at certain points in life, people see things in you that you may not see in yourself yet, but inherently only, you know, where you're supposed to be. Yeah.
2: I think I, um, one thing and one challenge that I've heard uh, as we started speaking and, you know, mentoring and other things is that other black women have come and said, you know, um, how do you deal when, you know, I go somewhere and I'm the only black person, I go to a workshop and I'm the only black woman and people are asking questions that are uncomfortable and they're trying to touch my hair and I'm the only I'm the only minority in the room mm-hmm. and I have Which is
0: fucking weird. Touch your hair.
2: Yeah, it happens it's a so lot. Strange. It happens a lot. Yeah, I I think everyone's entitled to have their own opinions of how they feel. I think it's weird feel. when people touch my
0: bald head, right. I'm like, yeah, I, yeah. When, when did I give I you permission know. to touch? It, I, if, when like, I'm
2: pregnant one day, I will not enjoy people running around. Like I gotta know what you're talking about. You. about it. Yeah. it doesn't matter. No, just, I think yeah. it's so weird. Um, <laughs> but I think that is something that I've heard from a lot of people, and I think my perspective. Hopefully, this helps. Is that you know um, I have always found that I have chosen to look at it as a blessing and as an advantage when I'm the only person who looks like me in a room. Sure. And I've kind of said, you know, there there are two ways to see it. And you could either choose to feel as uncomfortable as it is. Or as empowered. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or you could say, God, there's like, I stand out. There's no one who looks like me. And I think I choose, I've been in several environments, work environments, professionally, college, just everywhere, weddings, everywhere else, where I've been the only black person, miles. (laughs) And I choose to see that as an advantage. And I choose to to love yeah. that experience. And I choose that I choose to love that people get to say, wow, I didn't think there'd be a black person here. Or mm. they may, they may watch me extra closely because you're not the idea of a black girl that I thought I had mm, because I've never come us. into contact with, you know, someone this close. I love having that opportunity. That's not necessarily everyone's experience and the perception of it. But I think, you know, I, I told one girl recently, I said, for where i'm going in life and for the the goals and the dreams i have for myself i can't afford to allow that to slow me down i can only afford to allow myself to see that as an advantage and to like thrive in that and i think i believe that when you choose to you can choose to see certain things as um as an obstacle or a hindrance Mm -hmm. and i think at the end of the day i would rather choose to see a road that's clear ahead of me that's wide open and if i have an obstacle if i have something i jump over and i keep going but i think when you choose to see certain things as, as disadvantages or as obstacles, it will slow you down.
1: Mm. And
2: that's, that's my perception of it. And understanding things are uncomfortable and they are, and, and you got to have thick skin sometimes. And people will say stupid, ignorant things. It just happens. But I, I choose not to get offended by it.
0: That's
3: sometimes funny.
2: you have to take a moment and like swallow it and like keep going, but,
1: but and sometimes your business choose. partner has to tell everyone what's up. <laughs> yeah.
0: but. You know, I think it's, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. after doing like the, uh, Unleash the power within with Tony Robbins last year, and you, I walked away with this. It was my my ground point from it? Uh, my big point from it was you can walk away from a situation in one of two places. Yeah. Why is this happening to me, or yeah. why is it happening for me? Yeah. When you go to to me, you're constantly a victim. Yeah. Right. You're always playing that. Whereas, when you are the It's happening for me, right? So being the only woman of color in a room is for me. Now you're the person who controls the power of that situation. And then every situation becomes an opportunity rather than a hindrance. But I think the question I have then is, do you feel that you're
2: held to a higher standard? I feel yes to a certain extent because I think uh, people come in with a lot of their own preconceived notions for what a black person, Spanish person, fill in the blank person of color or Um, it could be a gay person or any, anyone else people have their if they are not exposed to that regularly, or even if it's not something that's, um, I think there's a difference between I see black people on the street. I have a black coworker versus when you're in an intimate experience, um, with someone of color or someone who's just, you know, different from you. Um, people can have a lot of ideas for what that looks like. And I think until you're in close proximity, until you've had an intimate friendship dinner, um, some experience where you kind of break that, that that barrier down a little bit, that's when people's minds change about yeah. what that stereotype looks like. Um, and I welcome the opportunity to be the person who changes your mind mm. about um, what you think a black woman is, what you think we sound like or look like or speak like or you know whatever stereotypes that are there. So I think when you're the different person in the room, there's going to be more eyes on you. People are going to pay attention mm-hmm. and go, hmm. And so I think I am always very aware that If I'm the minority in the room and there's one or two people who look like me, there could be additional eyes on me. And I I do think you are held to a standard of, and I accept it as a challenge that I'm happy to bring, that let me show you an incredible representation of what a young professional black woman looks like or how I run a company or how we handle a wedding or how I walk into a room and handle, you know, wrangling groups who are and, and delivering an incredible service for people who are entirely different from me. Um, I welcome that. I love that. Uh, that may not be for everyone. That may be a lot of pressure to some people. Um, I know some people who feel like that's not fair. I shouldn't have to be your, um, your mascot for what a black or fill in the blank minority looks like. I don't want to be that to, to everybody. I shouldn't have to carry that burden. Um, I see it as I feel blessed to do that because I would rather be the person who creates bridges in people's minds um, or makes them feel more comfortable. Or maybe you say, God, like I've always stayed away from black people because I always had this idea or whatever that could look like. And now like I, and it's a lot of subconscious thoughts people don't realize they have, but you will then be more comfortable and you will, that breaks down that stereotype of whatever that barrier, whatever is there in your mind, it breaks it down just a little bit more than, than what was there before that experience. So I'm happy to be that person.
0: Any specific experiences you want to share?
2: Can I tell you that we were actually just talking about this this weekend where she shared a story of something where someone, I was somewhere and I was the only black person and someone said, hey, look, there's a there's a black person here. Imagine that. And she got angry. And there there are more things that have happened that I don't hold on to mm. because in my mind, the cost of holding on to mm. every negative experience, I don't want to become jaded. Mm. I don't want to become cynical. I don't want to expect negative of people and i feel like the best way i can keep my heart and mind clean and um, accepting and open and warm to every everyone i encounter is to not assume how you're going to react to me and it's to not hold on to times where people have called me things or said crazy things about my hair or have offended or and i both of us we we don't get offended easily we really don't but it takes a lot and i'm i'm very very patient very patient but I also choose not to hold on to things and to like actively let go of them because I just think that's going to make me better going forward, you know,
1: and I'd rather be that bridge. But we've had some real conversations about um, because we do shoot predominantly white weddings and we've had real conversations about if somebody ever says anything like that is not something that she keeps to herself. That is absolutely something that we deal with. So um, we, well, and we I, I had an experience yeah.
0: like two years ago and that's why I'm at, and we're at a wedding and my second photographer was African-American and we're standing there and, and someone goes, what time do you get up on stage? And he's like, excuse me? And he's like, well, I'm a photographer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, no, no. I mean, you're the singer, right? And he's like, and he, you could see. And I'm mm-hmm. like, no, man, he's like, yeah. I jumped in and I was yeah. like, no, he's the photographer. Yeah. Like, and the guy, I don't know if at that point now he's trying to be funny, but what he's trying yeah. to say is, yeah. you know, the, the black guy in the room yeah. should be yeah. on stage, you yeah. know? And, and he was, he was upset. And I was like, dude, don't even worry about it. And he's like, you know, and he just blew it off, you yeah. know, but I could see, I'm like, you know, that person saying that, you know, it's another human being, yeah. bro. Like yeah, it's not cool.
2: And comments like that happen often. Yeah. And, um, I, I think I am very patient and gracious to say, you are here. Um, I like to explain to people if, if there's time given the environment, sometimes it's the environment you, you, it's going to do more harm than good. For sure. But when the opportunity is right, even if it's, a little bit after the fact to go back and say, hey, here's what you just assumed in that. And here's why yeah. that's rude. And usually when you explain to people, a lot, of, most times they don't understand that what they're saying is ignorant or that you're making ignorant assumptions. And when you can take a moment to say, hey, this is, people would be offended by that. Here's why. Yeah. Because you're assuming when people say, and this is usually the most frequent comment. Yeah, but you're like a white black person. Uh. And when, and that happens, so long, I can't even tell you, but like you know, because they're trying to say you're articulate, you're professional, you're, (laughs) but in, in that statement, you're assuming that to be articulate and professional and buttoned up is to be white. Mm. You're assuming that you cannot be those things and be black. Mm. And that's what you're trying to say. And when you communicate that and you say that's offensive and here's why, then people get it. And then most of the times they will never say that again, or they will be the ones when they're, and what weighs on me, and I think what I think about is if you can, if you could take. 30 seconds to explain to someone, hey, here's why that's rude. The next time they're in a room full of all whatever people, whatever homogenous group, and they hear someone say, yeah, but they were like a white black person, they're going to correct that person and say, actually, that's rude and I didn't know that and this is why. And that's how you affect change. And so I would rather be the person that can, I think when you get offended and you walk away and you get angry you miss an opportunity, hopefully, to educate that person and stop them from ever saying it again to where they can go educate someone else to never be rude or ignorant. And I also believe the best in people, I believe most people don't mean to be, most of the time, they don't mean to be rude. They don't mean to be racist. They don't mean to be sexist. They don't mean to be offensive. They don't realize they're saying it. Most of the time, they want to come touch your hair because they think it's pretty and they like the curls and they and they don't realize that I don't love to feel like a petting zoo. But <laughs> but but when you look at the heart behind why people are doing it and the fact that you feel comfortable around me and I've been warm to you and now you wanna come over, I don't wanna shut down that bridge of communication. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. Um, no, I think people, you have a beautiful way of looking at very it. Gracious, because I think I think, yeah, I
0: think it would be a lot easier to bias towards anger. Yeah. You know, whereas not finding the the kindness in it, you know, you'd be a lot easier and you'd have right to, yeah. to find. Uh, the, yeah.
2: But it, but I think at the end of the day, you know, the climate we're in is so divided, <sighs> it is so divided. And sure. it, there is so much anger in the air and there's so much yeah. just tension there um, that we, I believe we all have more in common than we, we think we do. And it's because we're in our own buckets, our own pockets Sure. Kind of rallying each other up, talking about, can you believe the other side well, is this? we're can all humans. Believe- we're just different. We're, just, of we're course. just different. Yeah. And,
0: but we're humans. Yeah. And that's like the people I think yeah. get away from the fact that we are all human. Yeah. Right? We just, we have I inherent go-
2: differences. And I believe or most of our otherwise. motivations are pure and most of our motivations come from a good place. We have different ways of expressing it. But I think when you could build bridges that show that like, I get what you're saying and we're on the same page, we express that differently the tension would just disseminate so much easier. And so I I see opportunities like that as opportunities to either educate gently or to be someone that warms someone else up to the idea of you're not what I thought you were and Mm. you're not what everyone over in my little bucket, little pocket has always said about fill in the blank minority person. I like that.
0: Nice. That was deep. Loaded. Loaded. Mm -hmm. That was a big
2: one. Very loaded.
0: So what's on the agenda for the Aenea Atelier?
1: Aside from world domination. World domination. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk uh, casual.
0: Let's lighten up the mood. Was just, <laughs> that was fucking heavy. I was like, oh, I'm oh, not going to drink this. I'm going to drink it now. Can I, was, yeah. I'm yeah. Yeah. Can I was, let you, let you say heavy. your piece? No, you know, and, uh, no, but I think your message is so just before we, we change topics, I need to say, like, your message, I think, is important, not just for. Um, women, but for everyone, you know, and I think it's, it's empowering, you know, and hopefully there's a young girl out there now who hears this and says, fuck, oh shit. I can, you know, I can be in a white dominated industry yeah. and I can look in that, walk in that room and be the best person of my subversion of myself and yeah. be beautiful. And the fact that I am different, that, that difference becomes empowering.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, Cause I think a lot of people, you know, myself included, I've had moments in my life where I'm like, you know, I'm not like these people, you know, yeah. like I'm yeah. so not yeah. that, you know, I didn't yeah. grow up in a privileged household and go to a $80,000 a year private high school. Like that's not where I come from. Um, I'm the son of a, you know, Puerto Rican guy who fixed stuff in buildings and that's the reality. So, um, I've at moments, you know, you definitely feel out of place and whether people intend that or not, I think, you know, Sometimes I think it's, they don't know any better. Sometimes I think um, ignorance is not a good excuse, mm-hmm. you know, to say, I think you can be consciously ignorant, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, and that just gives people a free card sometimes, you know, to be ignorant. Oh, I don't know any better. That's bullshit. You know better, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. um, and you have to be more conscious the way you feel and you make people feel, you know, and I think sometimes people just use the ignorant card to get away with what they're doing.
2: Yeah. I think you can also feel um, in someone's approach to how some people want to fight. And they want to—they want to get a rise out of yep. you. And you could tell the difference when someone means well; and yep. they're coming from a good place, versus when they when they want to fight. And nothing I say is going to change your mind. Sure. You're not going to absorb. You're not going to hear any of it. There's no point in engaging. Yeah. You know. Um, and I think most times when you take a step back or or try as hard as you can not to get offended, you can read between the two and gauge yeah, yeah. how to respond. So. I think that's yeah. great. So
0: now, let's now. get, now let's get lighter, right? So right. what's, give me like uh, some goals here, right? So I know you guys are big on goal setting. Um, where do we see a atelier a year from now? And more importantly, five years from now.
1: Do you want to start and I'll finish or are you talking? Uh, you know, no. <laughs> um,
2: I just <laughs> want to make
0: sure Gina gets a shine here.
1: Oh, I'll
2: get ah. it in.
0: No, don't worry.
1: <laughs> she always
2: does. Trust me. She always does. I will say, um, I said earlier in a lot of ways, I feel like we're, we're just beginning. Sure. I yeah. feel like we are just hitting the position and the posture and the, um,
0: you are like you guys are in, I mean, you know, anything under 10 years in my opinion is, yeah. is still infancy though. You yeah, know, and yeah, yeah. now we're in this rush for success yeah. where people want, you know, this fucking overnight bullshit. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, that's not the way the world works. Like yeah. like, yeah. So it is beginning, you know, it's not, you're not 35 years in, yeah. you know? And then, yeah. And that's fucking cool. And yeah. it's a great place to be because
2: like the rest is still ahead of you. Yeah. yeah. Was,
0: like, uh, man, I wish I enjoyed that part of my career more, you know, mm. because it goes by like that. Yeah. Uh, um, and then it flips to not trying to like it's a different mentality, right? Because now you're maintaining that like yeah. you're you know, even though Gina, you've been in it 16 years, your partnership's so young. It's yeah. baby. And then now it's like that that upward trajectory is yeah. so there. So it's fucking embrace it. I you think know? in the
1: next six months to a year, I think we have a lot of um incredible collaborations coming up, incredible partnerships coming up um that really are you know, in wedding in the wedding industry specifically, you know, you're so focused on documenting everybody else's vision yeah. and everybody else's mood board and everybody else's mm. pinterest or whatever it may be and i think as creatives you could still kind of um get stifled a bit creatively and so for us it's really yeah. important for us to have passion projects and um people that we collab That's with and partner cool. with passion. and yeah. yeah and um and so there are people that were she yeah she has now made me love alliteration because it's really great, and I'm mad you. Ready. um So, um, but yeah, we have a lot of incredible um, collaborations coming up with uh, people that will remain nameless for now. Cool, um, but they're definitely coming up in the next six months to a year that we're really, really excited yeah. about. We always try and stay on the forefront of things, and you know, being relevant and staying ahead of the curveball yeah. really in the industry um, yeah. and setting the trends and not following them. And five years. Well, um, before,
0: and I think, you know, the thing with your one year, you know, six, when you say six months to one year is I know you guys are big picture, right? So, yeah. and I know that those collaborations are laying the fundamental groundwork for what the big
1: vision yeah, is. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Personally, um, I think, you know, it'd be nice to be like married or something and- Not five, to each other. Not to each <laughs> other.
1: We've made that clear. to, not to each
0: other.
2: Um, and I think embracing the changes that come to business in that way, um, but I think I think I touched on this earlier, but I, we want Anais Atelier to evolve naturally. Yeah. Um, and I think while we will always have uh, weddings, events at the core, you know, um, we, both of us, started with, she got her start in photography with,
1: what, your humanitarian work down in? Doing a lot of humanitarian work in Belize and Jamaica mm-hmm. yeah. and just in really poverty-stricken countries. And I think that's something that we absolutely want to um, get into more of, for yeah. sure, um, donating our time yeah. and our services a lot. We both I, – I built
2: schools in the Amazon, she did, and Big and, Yeah. And so I think we're getting to a place now where we're feeling we're able to have more control of not just our brand aesthetic, mm-hmm. um, shooting more of the things that feel like the work that we want to put out, not yeah. just, and that we want to create and be in the ideation process of, which we love, but also having that freedom and the time to – give and go and travel and serve in different ways. That's, you know, just part of exactly who we both were. And I think there are times in business where you've just got to like head down and and push yeah. forward and keep going. And then there's seasons where you've made enough progress where you can start diversifying a little bit. And so I think that's over the next five years, what we're really excited to get more, more into our passion project. Yeah.
0: Big scope for the uh, company within five years. Hmm. big international
1: Um, we're probably going to go more international um, than I would think I feel like a lot of uh, people are very um, blinders on kind of uh, so to speak uh, where they're not even even taking into consideration Mm. the world Um, and they're really focused on the United States and I think there's uh, a lot of beautiful cultures a lot of beautiful places Um, and like I said mentioned earlier there are a lot of people that are throwing extravagant extravagant events all around the world whether it be you know somebody having a private yacht in Ibiza for their 50th birthday and need that photographed or just kind of these really of exciting documenting moments in people's lives. Yeah. And so I think our, um, community will become much more international than it is now, sure. but obviously I don't think there's ever going to be a world in anyone's life where we're never based out of Maybe. Manhattan ever. Yeah. Uh, this is always going to be home. Yeah. New Yorkers to the core. So
0: yes. yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. So here's a question I ask everyone of my guests. Oh, so now I have to, um, Looking back on your life, what advice would you give yourself from 10 years ago? Um, Ultimately, one fundamental core change, um, something you could have said to yourself, whatever it may be, that would have drastically impacted your life for the better if you knew it then.
1: Mm, Anthony, you couldn't have provided this in the questionnaire? Absolutely not. um, I would say um, probably the best piece of business advice, just because I've been an entrepreneur from essentially the get-go um and just always had like an innate from 14 years old knowing that like I'm not made like other people like I am going to kind of make my own way um and there's other avenues of that um (laughs) yeah Yeah, but being a big believer that you do not have to have a college education to be a very Mm -hmm. successful person and um I don't have a full college education. I have an associate's degree, which I'm really, really proud of because um, it will make it all the sweeter when I am that person that I know I'm going to be. I Um, think
0: a lot of people waste a lot of money on private education right now.
1: It's really unfortunate. Um, But there are some industries where you absolutely need it, but not to rabbit trail. Um, I would say the best piece of business advice I've ever gotten was from um, one of my jobs probably in my early 20s. I was um, a part-time bookkeeper for a company. And really, really successful man. And he said, there are no emotions in business. Mm. And I think that especially entering into a male-dominated industry, um, it always makes me really angry when I see women who are surrounded by men, whether it's on Shark Tank or it's on some other thing. And I'm like, don't do it. Don't cry. Don't cry. They expect you to cry. Like, choke it down. (laughs) Be strong. You know? And and so I feel like there were a lot of people that I crossed paths with, men specifically, in this industry that have burnt me, that have slandered me, that have said awful things that I've had to kind of really – crawl my way out of, um, and with my head high. Mm. And I wish I would have not wasted whatever it was a year or something laboring over the emotional aspect of it, of how could they, how could they? So I think for me to go back to my younger self and say, it's not about the emotions, it's strictly business. And so essentially, I know that sounds a little backwards because it's basically saying callous yourself. But I think in that, point of my life where it was male dominated I wish I would have been a little bit more calloused mm. to the emotional aspect of it. But again, being an early 20-something-year-old woman, being in a male dominated industry, I, I think I did okay. I'm not so hard on myself. But I think that would be the biggest form of business advice, especially now, even to women now, um, because we're so emotional, is that don't take it personally. Women are emotional. Women are very emotional. We're very emotional.
0: Like Every month, like we're very
1: emotional. New, <laughs> so, but just not to take it personally. half thick skin. Yeah. Don't be cold. But be put your business hat on. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. be your big girl yeah. and put your business hat on and play. You know, sometimes you have to play in the boys' club. Mm-hmm. You got to be a boy sometimes. So,
2: I think I think there's just a professional standard across the board. You know, yeah. where um, too many emotions just don't have a place in business Absolutely. and just been being a professional. And if you have to separate that and go handle it separately, mm-hmm. not in front of clients or business relationships, then you do. But I hear you on that. Um, for me, I think I have always had a standard of excellence, and I think I took a little too long listening or considering other people's advice that they were tr- trying to mean well by by mm-hmm. saying, "Don't be a perfectionist. Do you have to? Do you have to work that hard? Does it have to be? It doesn't have to be perfect." Um, and not that I, I never, I didn't use that advice. I never like leveraged that, but I think I did question myself and I questioned my work ethic and I questioned whether or not, um, I don't know whether or not I was, I, I questioned enough to, I think, take me outside of my natural habitat habitat of how I know I'm supposed to deliver, um, and it took me a while to just say, nope, I'm not a perfectionist. I'm not a whatever, because there's a huge difference. And I think people see so little excellence in the world that they don't know what to label it when they see it. Um, and I think excellence is is has been at the core of my work ethic, of my posture, of just how I operate just throughout, you know, from college on. Um, and I think not to be ashamed of that, not to shy away from that, not to... Um, Lower yourself to other people's standards of what's good enough, um, and I think that's something that I I grappled with. Like, am I am I over-delivering? And not and that's that sounds. H- am I but it's not about being perfect. It's but it is about I have my own internal standards of excellence, and that I hold myself to this caliber, and not allowing other people's ideas to I think influence that is something that when I was in my later twenties, I just like owned it. No, this is who I am, and and that's fine, and that I think carried me through the transition from corporate life to entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. life um, more than anything else. So don't be afraid of that.
0: I love it. All right. Well, that's, uh, I think, almost two hours with you, wow. with you ladies. So <laughs> Sorry, I want to. Sorry, Anthony. No, no. It's, it's been my pleasure. <laughs> I want to thank you guys for sharing your stories. Um, I think it was awesome to get to chat with you ladies. Um, I want to thank you for your business acumen and your minds. I think you guys have a really interesting perspective. I think the sky is the limit. Well, I know the is the limit for both of you. Um, and I'll be uh, fortunate enough to have you guys back on in a couple of, you know, a year or so. And we can hear about everything you guys have going on. Um, but I think the sky's the limit and I think it's a it's a really cool partnership and I'm I'm glad you're able to share this story I think as two women you guys are great role models for, for young girls and other women out there and I think your story should be you know it should be it should be nourished shared and it should be cherished it's fucking awesome mm-hmm. so um, you know I just want to thank you guys for coming in if you kindly would please tell everyone where they can okay. find you guys make sure you give them your travel as well
1: um, so we are at Um our social is at Atelier and then our sister travel channel is at atanaetelier uh,
0: and we will drop uh, links into all that for those of you who are challenging a spelling <laughs> challenge like myself <laughs> Uh, That's we will include right. those, but again, thank you, ladies. It has been uh, it has been awesome. So cheers, cheers, and uh, I appreciate it. I what is up, everybody? So I am joined again by my friend Sheena from Inay Atelier, and uh, just to frame out why we're here. Um, after we had you on the show, we were kind of just shooting the shit here at the office, and you started telling me a story about your dad. And I was like, I can't believe we didn't fucking talk <laughs> about this during the hour and a half we were here. And you're that like, well, you know, no, no, it wasn't even <laughs> that. It was like, you know, and I get it. And But I was like, man, there's so much power in that story yeah. because I think, you know, something we take for granted in 2019 is the story you're about to tell. So yeah. I just want to frame that out. Um, I'm a big believer of never leaving anything on the table. So as you're telling the story, I'm like. We we need to like put this out there, right? right? And, I, and I and I said it to you and you're like, fuck yeah, I'll come back on and <laughs> yeah. we'll drop this. Um, even it'll be a little smaller bonus piece because um I, as you tell the story, I was like, Oh shit. I'm like, that is so powerful and so moving. Um and I think it's something that is not, you know, who we are is a product of where we came from. Yeah. You know, and the struggles, you know, I talk about my dad on the show all the time, and I know you're about to talk about your dad. Um, I think we lose some of that, you know, whether it's uh, someone who migrated someone who's an immigrant or somebody who is African-American. We forget that only 60 years ago, there were signs as to colored and yeah. you didn't drink from yeah. you know a certain water fountain right and, and I know you're about to get into this and and, and I just watched it's funny and, and the night you left mm-hmm. I watched the new Muhammad Ali documentary I will get you and, and there's a scene in yeah. it where he comes back to Louisville and he's like I'm the heavyweight champ of the world and they're yeah. like that's great you still have to go drink at the colored water fountain yeah. he's like I'm the heavyweight <laughs> champ of the world they're like that's great you're still black like yeah. you know yeah. and but that ultimately frames the rest of his life yeah. so if you could just
2: yeah so um Last time I was on, we were talking about obstacles and I said, it was funny because I thought you were going to skip over me because I said, oh, clearly he's (laughs) not going to, I wrote I have no obstacles, so he's not going (laughs) to dig into this. And then I felt like I needed to elaborate on why I felt that way. And of course we did that off camera. Um, The reason I said, I feel like I have no obstacles is because in perspective, um, my father was born in 1950. Sure. Um, So for the first, for the beginning years of his life and his childhood, he sat in the back of the bus Mm -hmm. and he remembers sitting in the back of the bus and he remembers um, drinking from the colored water fountain and only being allowed to enter through certain entrances and only being allowed to go certain places where coloreds were allowed to go back then. And um, for the rest of my life, I think I will always have that perspective that this is my father, not my grandfather, my father, my dad remembers this is life one, you
0: know, to give people perspective that is one generation not yeah. four or five generations no, this removed.
2: is one yeah. generation away down my parents are from virginia and
0: which is not even considered the south end like again like it you is know, technically south, northern, south of the mason
2: dixon but it's it's right the there it's not, it's not it's yeah. not even the the deep south down yeah. in like the bayou or down in mississippi yeah, right. um where even way worse was happening but the beginning portion of his life was framed by that and nothing held him back nothing held him back. He got everywhere he intended to get. And it's not that it wasn't hard. It's not that he didn't have challenges. It's not that there weren't roadblocks along the way or people who, you know, tried to hinder his success. But if he can figure it out coming from a world where you remember what it was like to sit in the back of the bus, you remember your parents having to tell you what to do to stay alive because you can look at someone the wrong way and lose your life for it. And especially back in a time where that was the law. The Mm. law was you know, you you sit in the back of the bus, you, you drink from the colored facilities or whatever that may be. Um, and so I think for the rest of my life, that will always color my perspective on challenges. And the reason why I say I don't have any is because there is nothing in my life, nothing in my past, in my story that I could deem worthy of labeling it an obstacle in light of the fact that that was my father's reality. And Mm. that was so many millions of people's reality. And to this day, there are still things. Um, so I think, I think when you have that perspective of life and you have that perspective on what a real challenge is to me, I would never want to trivialize someone else's real physical, emotional, um, obstacles that they may have, or, um, ways that they may be hindered in life you know i think in today's day and age especially where everyone's producing content all the time and especially entrepreneurs everyone's speaking all the time everyone's broadcasting everyone's telling a story and i think there can be a temptation to um to have a challenge to make sure you have a story you have something that proves mm. your depth and what you've overcome or your capitalize strength, on your strength or to capitalize on your it. story yeah and i think that um You know, that gets very easy to do when you watch everyone doing that and everyone having something and you want something to prove. And so what I never want to do is I never want to trivialize people's true obstacles or the fact that, um, you know, there are, are women, thousands of women a day who are being mutilated. Um, there are people with way less freedom than we have in the United States. And that's not to say the United States is perfect, but there are so many worse places that we can be. And I think, um, for myself i just i will always choose to see the road ahead of me as open and to never give something the weight or the honor of calling it you know a part a massive part of my story sure. if i don't i don't have that and if i'm blessed not to have that um
0: what was funny is you know as you were talking and i was like as we heard this i'm like now it all makes sense yeah. you know because i i feel that work ethic is, is is something that is is shown, right? So yeah. your dad showed you by his modeling of, you know, not letting racism hold him back. Yeah. Obviously, being an accomplished man, he set a tone for what that should be for you. Um, and I think also, too, he probably, I and mean, correct me if I'm wrong, he held you to a higher standard than probably what he needed to yeah. because of his upbringing. Yeah. But that now creates who you are today. Yeah. And, you know, in, in talking to you and getting to know you, it's that no bullshit, kick-ass, take no prisoners work mentality. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to venture to say that deeply inside your core is probably a way of honoring your father's past.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think my parents taught me and um, just through, through life experience, I've learned that um, there's so much power in assuming you have a position of strength and assuming a position of strength. Um, it is a way to see the glass as yes. full it is a way to um to see everything that you have at your fingertips, all the things that you can do.
3: Yep.
2: Um, versus, you know, allowing yourself to kind of I know we talked about kind of having a victim mentality. Yep. I think there are times where when you are counting all the all the costs of all the ways that you've been hit, all the hits you've taken sure. over and you know, along the way, you could start to see yourself as 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 beat down. Yep. And I think in that way, when you assume a position of strength, you are assuming that um, that you're gonna win. You're assuming and you and you're not giving Um, a challenge or an obstacle, the weight of being even a part of, of that story, you know? Sure. Um, And I think, and again, this doesn't account for everybody. I think there are people who have overcome massive, massive challenges, um, health-wise or um, societal issues that they've overcome and um, even just personal struggles. And obviously if that's part of your story, then you should shout that from the rooftops and that's incredible that you've overcome it. But I think, you know, as a as a, as a time that we're in in life, I think, to honor people's challenges that are true challenges, um, you know, like like our fathers. You know, sure. I know your dad even yeah. immigrated over.
0: Yeah,
3: well, I've been corrected migrated. many times. Migrated. I've been corrected. Yeah, yeah, it's migrated. migration because right.
2: it's part
0: of, you know, the United, the United States. Yeah. Puerto Rico is probably the United States for 100 years, so it's a migration. Yeah. Um, even but though it, with everything going on there right now, uh, it's kind of crazy to think that we are as Puerto yeah. Rican's part of the United States yeah. because of some of the stuff that's going but it, on. But
2: it feels very, um, yeah, and I've seen, it feels you know, very much I like I know, different,
0: you know, your dad had it more extreme than my father, but, you know, I've seen people, my dad has a heavy accent, you know, obviously English was a second language, but I've seen how sometimes people may dismiss my father because of that yeah. accent. Um, and in ways, you know, it's just a different form of dismissiveness, you yeah, know, and yeah. it, it also frames who I am today, yeah. you know, and I think that as... You know, I, I actually, uh, you know, I'm happy you're sharing it because I think these are the stories we need to embrace because yeah. this is the beauty of, of who we are right and in 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 telling the story we're honoring what those people yeah. went through because we can't go through that yeah it's almost it's and I know it sounds fucked up but I almost wish I had it harder because we've been given such a gift we take yeah. that I and your's as yeah. you're saying and like I feel that we've taken we even I do it you know I'm sure we yeah. all do we take that gift for granted sometimes and I wish things were a little more difficult you know it's <laughs> like how do I create adversity you know, <laughs> to, to so I have something to overcome yeah um, whereas you know we live so so privileged yeah. I think in in showing and talking talking about our father's past, uh, it's the best way to show them the admiration we have for them.
2: And I think also the only reason why you'd like it to be harder is because you look at your dad and you go... Damn, look at how much yeah. he can handle and never complain once, yeah. never. And I feel bad for our, our children, down. to
0: be quite honest, yeah. because they're going to have it too easy. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, should should that ever be the case, yeah. they're never going to have, they're two generations removed from that, you know, and it yeah. becomes even harder then to say, hey, this is how it used to be. Yeah. It might be different now, but things were drastically different. Back I
2: plan then. on making my kids' lives really hard <laughs> just to teach them character, to make them walk 15 miles in the snow.
0: Yeah. You know, what do you think your dad would say if he heard you talking about him right now?
2: I think he'd tear up. Yeah, He's like not that type, but I'm looking at Gina back there. I think, I think, I think he'd tear up. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. If you could tell your dad one thing about him and his life and his struggle and what that meant to you, what what would it be?
2: You're going to make me tear up. I'm going to try not to do it. Um, uh, Just that I'm really proud of him. Hmm. That's all I can say without crying (laughs) a little more, but I'm, I'm so proud of him.
0: You think, what do you think your dad would say to you right now if he, or what do you think he'll say or think when he hears this? Because we're going to send it to him.
2: It's true. Um, <laughs> I, he he would deflect mm. and he would, he, I mean, it's not his deflection. It's it's really honestly his his true mindset mm-hmm. that he did it all for us. Mm. And that he's always, um, I I love my dad because he's, he's such a man. You know, mm-hmm. he is such a, um, he understands responsibility and mm-hmm. he's never once bucked at that or um, he's never made it about himself ever. He's mm-hmm. done everything, a part of his life for me, my sister, my brother. Um, and I just, I think there is, uh, it's not even that like chivalry. It's that, it's that just the responsibility. Um, and it's that selflessness that you are building something for more than yourself, you know? And he, I know along the way he felt a lot of pressure, mm. um, <laughs> because, you know, he his father didn't go to college and he got to go and all the ways that he pushed to make himself better. But he did it all with the view of giving us a better life. And I think he is so proud that I've been so fearless and I've defied him at times. And Mm. he's even come back to say, like, (laughs) you were right. Like, I wanted you to go to, you know, this college and you went to this one. And I wanted, he did not want me to move to New York City at all. And, you know, I was definitely going against his wishes when I did, but he said repeatedly, like, you made the right decision. And I think he recognizes now that that fearlessness. I'm able to have that because I have so much security in him and in what he's built, Um, and not to like I'm not you know a trust fund baby. It's nothing like that whatsoever. But the security and knowing that um, that
0: he's raised a good woman. That and
2: that you know he would always support me. He'd always have my back no matter what happens.
0: If you had to sum up what your dad's legacy would be to you, you know, what would that be?
2: Um. You can cut this
0: long pause. Uh, No, pauses are okay. You know, we live in a society where everyone's looking for, and and I mean this, I think, you know, we live in a society where everyone's looking for instantaneous answers. And, you know, sometimes they just, you know, there's a, there's a, on a side note, uh, um, President Obama was giving a a talk and someone said, well, what's the answer? And he paused to think and he's Mm -hmm. like, well, the answer is that I'm currently thinking of how to formulate a well put together response <laughs> to your question. And, and I'm like, wow, that's yeah. so brilliantly said yeah. instead of just, um, saying something yeah. that comes Off to the top the, of your mind is, yeah. you know, the most powerful man in, in the world yeah. th- to actually like have the poise to sit back and think and reflect yeah. on what you should say and yeah. what the right answer, right? way right, to frame it is. So.
2: Um, I think because of my dad's, um, his, his upbringing, his experience, um, his work experience the things that he's seen in Mm. life. And he's seen so much crazy, so much crazy. And, um, I think the number one thing that he could have ever given us is security Mm. and, um, for us to feel safe. And I know the most important thing is for us to have a home to come home to Mm. is the biggest thing. So, um, fun fact, my house burned down in Uh, 2006. We were covering so much. Sorry, there. sorry. So, I have this just, I'm, we're gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna we're going to cover yeah, um, We're
3: covering our, so much. Our,
2: our house burned down in 2006. Mm. Um, and it was, we lost everything. Mm. And I think that was probably my dad's biggest fear realized sure. to have to start over sure. rebuilding because his number one thing is security.
3: Mm.
2: And um, it is, there isn't, an, and thankfully no one was hurt. Um, My neighbors pulled, my uncle was in the house, my neighbors pulled him out of the house before the roof collapsed. And, you know, it is a blessing to only lose stuff, to only lose things. Because um, when you, if you were to lose a person, you wouldn't care. Things can be replaced. Life is done. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think it is such a blessing to have an experience of losing everything. And then knowing that as long as, you know, you, you can rebuild, but knowing that you can survive something like that. and and as a family to like, and you know, there's the stuff that you lose as a daily thing. Then there's your memories. There's stuff you've had since kindergarten. There's all those things. But, um, I think that was probably my dad's greatest fear realized. And I think even in him seeing that he can provide, he provided so much more security than just a house. You know, you provided, you provided so much more than even like the memories that were lost. Like you can't ever lose those things. And so I think in a lot of ways I am blessed to, um, to have a family unit, you know, my parents, are divorced, but they, there's, um, there's so much love there and they get along great. Sure. And there's just, you know, that unity that we have is something that regardless of them together or apart doesn't, um, de-strengthen what it is. And so I think, um, for my dad, I think it's cool that he can see that even without stuff sure. that the security was never, nothing was ever shaken there, you know? And so I think his legacy for all of us is that we feel secure and knowing that I can lose everything and I'd be fine. Mm. You know, I can, um, I, I can go and take off and try something and maybe fail, but I'll figure it out. You know, that there's, there's no failure so big that you lose everything, you know? And so I think, um, just his life, his legacy and everything he's given us, I am so appreciative that it's, that security, um, I guess goes so much further than what you think security means, you know?
0: For Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's heavy to say Sorry. the least. No, it's a, <laughs> it is a, it's good. I mean, I think you know, everything you're saying is so spot on, and I think the I think your dad would like to hear this actually. I'll so, send it to him. All right, cool. Well, hey, I appreciate you dropping back thank in. You. Thanks thank for getting you, thank all you. emotional with us. Oh, gosh, and uh, <laughs> you know, no, and I think um, you know, for people you know, listening to this, it, just to like summarize, like there's power in that, you know, and then yeah. showing whether it's God, your parents, um, showing honor to something of higher power, you know, I think is an amazing motivating factor. I think it also, um, it's a way of like having that moral compass because when you constantly are checking back in to say, is that how this, would that show honor? You know, for me is would that honor, my family's last name, my dad's legacy, you know, in your case, does that honor my father's legacy? Does that decision line up with what they would want from me, especially when you're raised by strong men of high moral character. I think mm-hmm. those things are really crucial, and I think you know when you when you frame it in that sense, I think it is it, a governing light for us in a lot of ways. Yeah. So nice. I appreciate you coming back in. I know Thank it's you. probably not the easiest of uh, topics. I'm so.
1: happy to be here. Thank no, you for having
0: please, me. Please again. Cheers. <laughs> now we can drink. All right. Hey, everybody. Doing this has been an absolute journey and an amazing time. I have learned so much, and I want to thank you all for listening in. If you kindly would, we would just ask you for your support. Uh, If you've liked the show, if you've gained anything from it, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or any of the other platforms where you are viewing this. We would greatly appreciate it, and it means the world. Thank you so much for listening in. You can find us online at Workshops.com, as well as on social, on Instagram, Facebook, and on YouTube at Anthony Vasquez Workshops. We look forward to seeing you there.